comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Now is normally a film podcast with Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. However, every now and then we like to do some random bonus episodes such as this one. This is going to be another one of our special audio commentaries. We know the listeners like the audio commentaries because we tend to you know, put as much humor in facts as we can. Sometimes more facts because we're just not that funny. Um, no. No, sorry. But we'll try. And for this episode, in honor of Zack Snyder's upcoming Man of Steel, um, we're going to do Superman the Movie. This is probably going to be our longest commentary we've ever done because we're doing Superman the movie, the director's cut, which is clocking in at a whopping two and a half hours. But we're going to we're going to try this anyway. So joining me to discuss Superman the movie, we have from Forbes talking live from LexCorp, Scott Mendelson. Always a pleasure. Good to be here. Uh, joining us later on, hopefully, will be from Damn Dirty Blog, communicating from the Daily Planet, Jordan Grout. But also with us right now. From the Naptown Nerd, and more recently, WhySoBlue.com, just now finishing up plowing the farm on a field and now calling in from Smallville, Brandon Peters. Hey, Aaron. Yes. Man, that's a nice outfit. Woo! <laughs> you, got, you got Richard Pryor over there, too? Is that what's up? You'll see. Well, <laughs> you'll see in an hour and 15 minutes. All right. I know what he's referring to. I think I just now got it too, but I, I, but but Brandon Brandon Peters, of course, does a, does an amazing Richard Pryor, so I just assumed that's what he was doing. <laughs> Enough of the Superman three jokes. God, Let's get to the good Richard movie in this uh, in this franchise. Superman the movie. Um, I think we all really like this movie. That's, yes. Uh, yes. Let's let's talk about it for two and a half hours. Okay, so Woo-hoo! we have. Um, easy enough for everybody that's, you know, wanting to watch this movie as we, um, talk about it. Basically, Scott, Brandon, and I currently have the movie stopped, well, on my Blu-ray copy, it's 20 seconds in, but basically it's after the kind of Warner Brothers logo and a little, uh, dedication logo pop up, you have, like, some curtains. And so we have it paused right where these curtains are about to peel back and there's going to be some narration and Superman's going to start. So if you're planning on watching this movie at the same time as we, us talking to it, you can sync it up there. As I said, it's like 20 seconds on my copy of it. And this is the director's cut, just to make that clear again, because there are two distinct cuts. But anyway, Scott, Brandon, and I, are we all set? Yep. Up, up, and away. Yes. Okay, yes. so I'm going to count down then. I'm going <clears> to <throat> count down three, two, one, go, and on the sound of go, we're going to press play, okay? So here we go. Three, two, one, go. So I always forget this part here. <laughs> that there's like a random little piece of narration that's talking about the comic book. Yeah. It's a it's a bold opening. Well, no, it's it's you know this was for all intents and purposes the first you know pure comic book movie, and you, I managed to a certain extent, you had to explain the concept to people at this point in time. Um, so you basically have saying this is literally a comic book movie. Um, on the other hand, and you know this will three after the credits 
one of the first lines in the film, if not the first line, is Marlon Brando basically very gravely intoning, this is no fantasy, which is basically his way of saying, this is a real movie. You know, this is live action. I'm here. They paid me, what, $2 million, $5 million for 10 seconds of work, and I'm still going to slum it because I'm Marlon Brando. Um, they didn't give me enough butter. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alexander Sockland. Yeah. Um, we will try to, at least I will try to prevent this entire commentary from being a history of all the horrible, horrible stuff that happened during the making of these first two films. You know, can we say right here, the, the South Kinds got lucky with this because who, explain explain who they are first they're, they're the produ- they're the people who got the rights to superman to make the movie and were trying to fund the whole thing themselves and make a one long epic film which turned into let's make it two films that we're going to shoot back to back but the the choices these guys made equal almost disaster i mean it shows that they have no idea movie making their their screenwriter mario puzo Yes. So they picked up, like, He's hot right what? now. He won some screenplay he, Oscars. Yeah, he won an Oscar for The Godfather, which Godfather and Super... Uh, right there is Red Flag well, number one. Well, the issue and, with that is that the screenplay that Mario Puzo turned in was very campy and very, you know, knowing. It was very, yeah. ha-ha, we're doing, a you know, a comic book. Well, yeah, it got it got changed up. I mean, yes. but that was the first person they brought in. So yes. then, and then they bring in uh, another guy, uh, Marlon Brando, and you, you cast him as Jor-El, a, a role that disappears for most of the film after the first 20 minutes or so. First billing. First billing. Well, and that was the idea, I think. They did, you know, I would disagree with you that it was that was a you know, bad decision. What they were trying to do is saying, hey, look, this is a real movie. We got Marlon Brando. Just yeah, like, yeah. you know, uh, 11 years later. You know, Warner Brothers said, hey, look, this Batman movie is real. We got Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Oh, yeah. I, I mentioned that in my oh. article. That, like, yeah. th- this is where the casting started, where you, you cast the nobody and then surround him with credibility. But yes. they weren't going for a nobody most of the time because they were That's looking true. at Pacino and Redford and Dustin Hoffman. Like, what did these guys just saw a name and just put it in the movie? That, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what they were doing. So. I give all the credit for this movie and the next one working to Richard Donner and for making Tom sense Mackowitz. of this all. Yes, and Tom Mickowitz for making sense of all this. Uh, and then I'll give the cast that they the cast is very good. They it all give so very fantastic. good performances. I mean, I think we can all agree that this is one of the best superhero movies of all time. And yes, yes. this and the second one, yes. Yeah. And it it shows very much in just like how dedicated everybody is that's involved in this movie to making it work. Like it regardless of how well they may have lucked into doing things correctly or in a way that kind of resonates still to this day it the the effort is definitely there and there's so much there's so much good in this movie that it's 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 it is amazing that it just worked out for the better and not for just some kind of just crazy disaster yes and i, I have to say while we're here the these credits amaze me every time I oh watch. my god these credits i wish like... i could have this score pumping right now but <laughs> I I love these. Not to be too lewd, and not to lose too many listeners of the process, but th- th- this just gets me hard. Like, I mean, how do you, how else do you describe how amazing this credit scene oh, is? Yeah. All we're and seeing I'll... is text and space. There's nothing else. But the John Williams like... score is so damn powerful, <laughs> it, and like just the just kind of what this is the, the evocative nature of just 
be this text on this screen juxtaposed to the score that's had, it's just it works just incredibly well. I mean, you, this you'll is never get you never Wars if they hit it out of the park. You'll you'll never get this again. Like there, you'll never see a, associate producer credit single on the screen next to nothing. Like in the opening credit sequence of a movie. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, they. I mean, this is the answer to the Star Wars crawl, which came a year earlier, and everybody's like, ooh, that's cool, the word's going up. And it, when Superman Returns came out and, you know, did I, you know, paid tribute to this, I, I was pumped. Oh, yeah. That's the best part of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Never lived back up to that. Um. And uh, now... I'll be, I'll be only slightly annoyed that that's next Snyder doesn't do it in Man of Steel. <laughs> but I, you know, I... I We'll see. I hope he does. Oh yeah, I know. Well, it's not, I'm guessing because it's. It needs I'm dis- guessing because it's a Nolan produced film. It's probably not going to have any credits at all. Yeah, no well, credits. It'll, it'll have like the logo be in yeah. shadow for a brief second before it goes away. Yeah. <laughs> like, <that'll> be <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> We're not going to use the title. <laughs> no, you'll just see. You'll just see the S because, but it's not an S. You'll see that briefly yeah. appear in like a cloud of smoke and it disappears. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, you'll say Man of Steel. Like done. Um, credits. But <laughs> but in relation to what you were talking about earlier, Brandon. In terms of what they got lucky, very simply, they got lucky in that Richard Donner and Tom, Tom Mankiewicz took it seriously and fixed all, you know, and made all the right choices despite the Softlands' best attempts intentionally or not to sabotage them. Yeah, well, I mean, this is um, the first time, you know, someone was giving something big to Richard Donner. I mean, he just yeah. done The Omen, which was another weird choice to have the little the guy who made the little horror movie that was a hot commodity for a bit come direct this massive <laughs> epic feature gregory peck could have played the shit out of jor-el yeah yeah his if giant recall, eyebrows oh my god if i recall they were looking at spielberg for this but at oh, the time same, Jaws was yes. way budget and... same thing with spy who loved me um yeah they, they decided to wait on the fish movie <laughs> too bad that never went anywhere yeah. yeah what's he doing nowadays i think he i think i saw him like doing like executive uh gopher work on the real steel or something. Gotcha. And then there's Marlon Brando as what the bagel. <laughs> I think he brought his own hair. <laughs> He's probably reading his lines off that crystal. He's still hoping <laughs> to get hired as Lex Luthor, apparently. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> no, he's just like, <laughs> clearly Shane said it's yes. Lex Luthor. Um, and this is I fascinating. Basically, you're starting your first movie. With what's basically going to be a teaser for your second movie. Yeah, you're starting the movie yes. with Nick Fury telling somebody that they're going to be in the Avengers. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. instead, of, yeah. instead of a post-credit scene. You're, st- yeah. you're starting with Sam Jackson getting it out of the way. Yeah. More movies should do that. <laughs> um, like, if, 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 if freaking Man of Steel starts with, with Superman just walking around trying to put together a Justice League, and then he's like, well, let's jump back three years. Like, that's, take, take it out of the way. Uh <sighs> where he's like on a ship going to find Brainiac and he's like, remember that time when I landed on Earth? And he just goes back and that's Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this opening sequence, this, there's so many like crazy risks taken off. We're, we're, well, I guess we're starting with our lead our lead build character, so that's not too much of a, well, a stretch. But I mean, yeah, we're starting off with Terrence Depp as Zod. We're never going to see him again until... Well, we'll see him briefly in space, but we're not going to see him again for another... We were supposed to see him at the end of the movie, but... Yes. And if I recall, I may be incorrect about this, the scene where we see him in space later was not part of the theatrical cut. Correct. Right. Uh, um, No, you're right. It's it's, it's, When you think of a Superman film, 
this ain't it. No. I mean, you know, people, people make jokes about, ha-ha, oh, you know, people are going to think they walked in the wrong theater. Well, in a less informed time, I imagine quite a few people thought they walked in the wrong theater. Except for the giant S on his sir, perhaps. We will see Clark Kent's penis before we see Clark Kent. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's something you wouldn't see today. No. Yes, but we'll get to that scene and how like, <laughs> strapping young child he is. But... <laughs> um, Somebody feeds Zod a sandwich, by the way. <laughs> Feed before Zod. Feed before Zod. Still this day, Phantom Zone, awesome effect. It is. Yeah. Love it. Even though I like the look of Krypton too. Like it's Oh yeah. It's it's a cool there it's a very it's a very seventies sci-fi set. Like that's what well, it is. <laughs> and you know it's funny that it's weird how the Superman movies, as they progress, the effects get worse. And they I mean they were yes. they were they were setting new standards, breaking new ground, and then all of a sudden the sets start looking like sets. Well, here's, here's a question did the second did the i second... don't believe a man can fly like it's <laughs> did the second film gross more than this film no no so they all progressively made less and less money yes yeah um the, the second film still made over 100 million dollars yeah i know the second Space. was a success yeah. but i was just curious if it was like, but a, like hey, sequels weren't making bigger bigger bucks back then either yeah yeah generally there, there the was an expected was... drop off for every sequel yeah you spend more you make less you open bigger but you make less uh, it was really only until the early 2000s that sort of, for about a decade, that was sort of not the case. And now I think to a certain extent we're back to that era where, you know, with Star Trek, Sherlock Holmes, what have you, and Cars, Kung Fu Panda, obviously overseas is changing the subject for that too. That's very but, true, yeah. It was a hot streak of superhero yeah. movies, the second one making a lot of being, well, being, generally, yeah. they're also, they're also, be, they also were generally better than the first movie. Yeah, it was, yeah. That hasn't hasn't necessarily happened, I guess, recently, though, either. Um, I can blame it all on the Dark Knight, but, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, even something like the Bourne Supremacy or Austin Powers 2 or, or, uh, what's it, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, you add... I mean, mean, in terms of that Dark Knight kind of ended that. (laughs) Oh, oh, fair enough. Yes, yes. Like, I'm trying, I'm struggling to think of a sequel that's both better than the movie and made more than the movie after the Dark Knight. I'm sure there are some, but... Uh, like just deserving of having the the more money. Yeah, like you like you you'd walk into Iron Man two thinking, well, all these other superhero sequels were like fantastic and made more money. So surely Iron Man two is going to be the greatest thing we've ever seen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, you know, for what it's worth, I think this is. I've always preferred this one to Superman two. I know there is a contingent that thinks Superman, you know, that believes the Superman two is a better film, et cetera, et cetera. I've always liked this one. I've always liked. The mythic origin story, the 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 inspirational, archetypical, ultimate superhero story versus, and I like Superman too. I'm not gonna you know bemoan anyone that that even prefers it, but that's almost a smaller story. It's hey look, bullies are in town. Let's go beat them up, basically. Well, here's here's my here's how I take like I have a hard time picking between the two because I feel the second one truly is the second half to this this story but um this one's a more uh, a kind of a better film it's a little more epic a little more uh, it's just prestigious but the second one i could easily pop it in and watch it this one i gotta just i don't know this the second one has a little bit more just sit back and watch it rewatchability for me for me um 
separately <laughs> as separate movies i would say superman one is a better movie but yeah. it's rare that i watch both superman and superman 2 it's rare that i watch them um at like a reasonable distance of each other i'm always i'm generally always going to watch superman 2 very close after i watch superman 1. yes so i kind of i'm so in the mood from superman that superman 2 just rubs off me really well where i'm like yeah god that sequel's so good like it just kind of i'm in the right zone to like appreciate superman 2 a lot but like, i think go, yeah. superman 2 has a better to me menace than superman 1 yes in the in the ultimate scheme of things and uh that's what I mean. It has going for it stuff that this one doesn't, but this one, vice versa. I, it's just hard for me to choose between the two. I know which one altogether, start to finish, is likely the better film. It's probably this one, but Superman two can't be that far behind and does exceed some things that this one doesn't. Wonder once again if we go in that alternate universe and get the full Richard Donner version of Superman two, how would that be? We don't have a kiss that makes people forget <clears throat> things. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, and like probably during the one of the Bond movies of how directors tend to add that wacky British humor. It's there. It's I mean, going through all the Bond movies, I picked up on it right away. What everything that you know Lester put his touches on in Superman two. It's just it's just like, and it goes out of control in Superman three. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and you made a great point. I loved you know I loved your Superman three essay. You know, it basically is the equivalent of you know. Batman and Robin to Schumacher's Batman Forever, where Superman 2 is, yes, it's Lester, and there's some Lester there, but it's also, A, it's Donner, and B, it's the studio, Stocklands or whatever. But, you know, as you correctly said, Superman 3 is completely Lester, completely on his own. For those, um, for the, for those bemoaning our lack of scene-specific commentary, let's do a little bit of that right now. Why why does everyone hate um, Jor-El? Like, why are they like, no, that's not happening? Like, why is that the consensus? Um, that's the story in it. Frankly, it never made that much sense to me. Like, is, is Jor-El, um, like, is he, is he the, <clears throat> my, my terrible reference, is he the Qui-Gon Jinn? Is he a radical? Is he just out of his, uh, <laughs> does he think outside the box? Um, for me, you know, it never made sense is that if he honestly thinks the plant's gonna blow up, why not just leave with his wife? Yeah. That's what are they gonna do? Arrest him? They, oh, wait, they're dead. They were, they're gonna shoot him down, I think. I, I heard an explanation about this. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the... And, and whatever he's putting Kal-El in is, is something kind of like untraceable that they can't detect but if he were, if he if he were to leave they they'd gun him down so he'd be dead anyway As, yeah so instead of the instead of star trek universe where they can't seem to shoot down a spaceship coming at them they they can't easily shoot down a spaceship <laughs> leaving the planet that's the yes okay <laughs> there's a ship coming at us what do we do i guess Run! We'll, i guess we'll take it <laughs> <laughs> There was no way we could have detected that ship coming down. I'm going to stop talking about Star Trek. Let's keep talking about Superman. <laughs> um, and this is, I mean, obviously from our direction standpoint, this is beautiful, it's gorgeous, whatever. It but what a weird geography Krypton seems to have. I mean, it's basically like <laughs> stories upon stories upon stories. Um, it, just, it doesn't really look like a normal, you know, basically looks like a crystal world. Which, yeah. I mean, in some versions, I'm sure it is, and that's fine. Um, it, it never struck me as a very inhabitable place, I guess. It's it's very, it's it's like Hoth, but more jagged. Yeah. It, it feels a lot like Asgard in the first Thor movie, where very like, jagged. people live here. It's a lot brighter there, though, than yeah. than in than in um, the y- y- Jotun, Jotun? I can't say it. Where the Frost <laughs> Giants live. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, no, I mean actually Asgard. Oh, actually Asgard? Oh, I was thinking they of... have, you know, the, the royals in their castle. It's like, does anyone else live here? I was thinking where the Frost Giants come from, guys. That place uh. seems terrible. Like, yeah. It goes there. Jotunheim, that's the word. Yeah. Nailed it. Look, a stormtrooper. Oh, no, that's just a kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> a kryptonian. Uh. Is this the council from Zion as well? <laughs> um, Get some rave going on. Yep. Oh, there he goes. Like, it only sees us coming. Like, guys. <laughs> Where are you guys here? I, I just saw the red sun, and now I'm having a nice little shot of family time with the, <laughs> the L's. Uh, what's your minute count? Uh, I'm at, what, 17 minutes? 20. Oh, God, I think you're a little ahead of me for some reason. Yep, 1724. Yeah. Ooh, you're like a minute ahead of me. Oh, yeah, no, we're watching uh, Jor-El give a little snuggle to, to Cal before he sends him off. Catch up, really. Not to be confused with uh, Nick Cage's son. <laughs> <laughs> How old is that kid now? Is he old enough to get bullied at school? Dude, that kid, but I don't know. I, I want. I want. Awesome I, hope he, I, I, hope, I hope he's like seven years old right now, and people are like, "Man, your movie's coming out next week." I hope he's not like <laughs> junior high, and people are like making fun of him because his movie's coming out next week. Is that you guys want to see a picture of my dad dressed up as Superman? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Kal-El Cage. Let's look this up. You know, if they had had this council meeting like an hour later, this would have been happening right as he was giving his speech. <laughs> we don't believe you, kaboom, kaboom. We, you don't know what you're talking about, kapow, kapow. What I like about this, I mean, two thousand this... wait, two thousand five. So he's like eight years old. Yeah. yeah, nailed it. What's your time code, by the way? Uh, eighteen thirty-four. Okay, I'm pretty much with you. Hold yeah. on. This is fascinating for the listeners, by the way. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the babysitting in his little very colorful blanket that, you know, you get at Krypton. He, instead of getting a race car bed, you get jagged crystals and, like, a really super colorful blanket. And, you know, obviously what you're seeing here is just some incredibly scaled destruction. And what, what I like about this film, aside from everything else, is, for one thing, it comes from that era where you bragged about your giant budget. You weren't in, you know, you didn't try to hide the fact that your film cost. Yeah, it's, that, it's that Irwin Allen disaster film. Yeah. Era. Uh, it's like, hey, this cost $40 million. That's awesome. And it did. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think between the two films, I think it cost like, they, they cost like $70 million, which was a record at the time, or pretty close to it. And, you know, the film is written and staged as if they don't care how much it costs. You know, they really. Yes, obviously the special effects are dated. Yes, there's obviously a limit to what what they can do, but for this era, it looks like no expense was spared. It's not that. Bad. Oh I mean, no, it's it's on the screen. It's all, yeah, it's I all mean, on the screen. It doesn't look terrible. Yeah. It doesn't. Look, I don't think it looks that dated. Well, besides, no, I mean, you can tell, but I mean, it, when did I mean, when did bragging about your budget stop? Was it Waterworld? Nineties, the nineties. Yeah. Waterworld being sort of the tipping point. Yeah. Um. It, well, it, it started happening when you had films that were so expensive that they could be a hit and still not make money. You know, it, it's it's. But yes, um, I see what you mean here, Scott. I mean, because yeah. if you're not if you're not a movie like this or like a you know Poseidon Adventure or you know something huge scale, you got to be like some kind of progressive '70s experimental movie or classical. Yeah. Like, and so yeah. it's so yeah, it very, for a movie like this that is a blockbuster, you know, it, they tend to look like blockbuster movies. And yeah, Superman's. A very well, and these movie. were these were the odd ones out, weren't they? At this time, I mean, yeah, these really expensive yeah. ones. Yeah, there was there. Was, I mean, Jaws kind of slowly opened the door, and then Star Wars, and then this was kind of the 
all over budget movies. Seventy eight. The seventy eight's <laughs> next big thing. Um, is this? And you know, this was you know again, it was it was a tentpole in the way the tentpoles are supposed to be. The big hit films that you know keeps the tent high for everything else. Uh, did he just kill his parents? All the yeah, he did <laughs> with, all, with all that glass <laughs> that fell out of him. <laughs> Oh no, he's good. There you go. He's standing in the carbonite freezing chamber. That's what it looks like. Just throw a few things down in the hole, and you can you can freeze them in carbonite. There you go. There he is. There's Han. <laughs> he's coming out now. <laughs> I wonder who has these 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 Kryptonian suits. By the way, you've got to keep those. They look fancy and warm. When's Jor-El going to walk in and be like, I told you so. <laughs> Can I go now? <laughs> <laughs> really? Where, where are the Krypton escape pods? Like, where, what's happening? Well, to be fair, Earth doesn't exactly have escape pods. Earth isn't nearly as advanced as Krypton is. They have phantom well, zones. Well, hey, they do have escape pods. How else is Kal-El leaving? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh that planet where's Jorel going what's the plan here what's up jay just keep running from things this is just like 2012 there's no way this whole planet blows up there's no way <laughs> if we go to the west side planet there's a lot, a lot of time being spent on the planet not being ex in existence anymore <laughs> Yeah. It's like, well, we had it. We might as well blow it up. This is just like Moonraker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is that Abe? What? Abe? Where? Oh, you can, oh my gosh. Are you watching the Blu-ray? Yes. I could see the uh, the black curtain curled up at the bottom of the screen where that thing ex where the planet exploded. <laughs> like, they shot it in front of a curtain. And you can see it a little bit. It's pretty funny. Now we get this, you know, this chipper. It's it's great that it's John Williams because I can feel I can I can really appreciate just how like fun the score is. I mean, you know, obviously, if anything needs to be said about the, you know, the John Williams score, the the only thing I would add to it is that what I find most impressive is yeah, everybody loves the theme, but I like I think the Krypt Krypton theme is just as powerful as the main theme. I can I can hear that. Yeah. See that. Um, and it was used to eloquent, incredibly powerful, if misleading effect in the first Superman Returns teaser. Hmm. Which is still one of the great superhero teasers in modern history, in my opinion. Playing on our, our nostalgia. Bastard. Um. It's growing slightly. <laughs> <laughs> your strength, your hearing, and... If you, but if you had like books on tape of how to learn, and it was Marlon Brando, you'd like you'd eat you'd eat it all up, just like <laughs> Marlon Brando did. <laughs> Abe, you're joining us now, right? Yeah, I am. Are you a fan of this movie? Uh, I don't remember watching it for like a very long time, actually, since I was maybe in fifth grade. Spoiler alert: Clark Kent is Superman. What? <laughs> Scott, <laughs> Sorry. come on, man. I thought we talked about the spoilers. Scott! Sorry. <laughs> That's my evil dead callback. Scotty! 
<laughs> Abe, you with us? Uh, uh, ahead. In terms of movie, we're watching Clark Kent enter the Earth's atmosphere faster than oh, Tom yeah, Hanks yeah. and Bill Paxton did back in Apollo 13. On podcast, are uh, driving there. Here we go, Clint yep. Ford. It's interesting for all the hub about how you know. Happy long birthday to me, spends... Glenn Ford. Yes. Yeah. You know how long you know people say, "Oh, this film spends so long on Krypton." Blah blah blah. You know, we're 22 minutes into the director's cut and we're already on Earth. Yeah, and a lot of the director's cut was added to Krypton. Yeah. I don't. Um, I, this is just random, but I noticed a lot in Richard Donner films. They tend to see people that look to be like Richard Donner, and Glenn Ford seems like one of them. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like always in the Lethal Weapon movies, the police captain always looks. He, to me, he looks like Richard Donner, and it's like he always absolutely right. He always casts people that just seem to look just like him in movies. Uh, Ma Kent, who would later die in a throwaway line in Superman Three. Oh. I know she died in Superman Three. I thought she died in Superman Four. She, she, she. Uh, when Lana Lang mentions that Clark hasn't been in town since his mom passed away. Hold on, guys. Let's take a let's take a look at Clark Kent's penis. Super penis. Super penis. Like the well, cat- this is child pornography. Like, yep. I get that he's like a baby, but... <laughs> that, is not a, that is not in the network television version. Superman. <laughs> Love me! That's what he said. <laughs> that kid's just hamming it up. You're looking at my penis, aren't you? Yeah, that kid just loved his day on set. And now he's turned into that kid from Looper, because look at his face. Yeah. <laughs> the rape maker. You're not my mommy. It's <laughs> my looper. It's my looper. Oh man, what 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 if <laughs> what if there's a whole subplot involving Looper with Superman? Well, I had always felt that they had missed a big opportunity. I don't know. If, did you guys watch the X Files all the way to the end? Yes. I mean, so you did know that you know the last season or two, they basically had Scully basically <laughs> give birth to a baby with alien powers that they ended up giving to a farm family. Spoilers. <laughs> yes, I, yeah. This was 10 years ago. <laughs> I, re- I, re- I recall this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I, I always wish that they, you know, obviously cross company, this would never would have happened, but they perfectly set it up so that the entire nine year run of the, the uh, X-Files would be a glorified pilot, you know, a, a an origin story for Superman. That basically Scully's child in this universe was Superman. The child with special powers of alien origin, raised by a farm family, who would grow up and save the world from the alien invasion that Cigarette Smoking Man said was coming in 2012. Cigarette Smoking Man. Well, you know what, Scott? Yeah? If Christopher Nolan goes to Fox to try to make a movie, and they say, (laughs) okay, we'll do it, and Warner Brothers is going to want to get in on it. (laughs) What are they going to trade this time? They're going to... They're going to... You're gonna be like, all right, you can use Superman in the next X Files movie. <laughs> There's not gonna be another next X Files movie. Ten years later. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're here. Here we go with our hey guys, one scene pass of. Pass me your jock straps. Yeah. See, people. Yeah, people do say the origin so long, but we get pretty much one scene of Clark Kent as a teen, and then really, origins, you're absolutely right. Origin's There's... origin, though. I mean, how. But is I mean, that... yeah, origin's origin. But people, people are like, man, it spends a whole, you know, so much time on Krypton. It was twenty, what, two Wait, minutes that... in the director's cut. Now we're here in Smallville with him as a teen, and 
He's going to sit here, talk to Lana, get mad, run real fast, go home, and his dad kills over. And then he's yeah. off to the Fortress of Solitude. That's still all origin, though. I, mean, well, I get what you're saying. It is. It's not, it, it's I, not okay. much. I, I know. And I, I'm not one of those people that bemoans the fact that, oh, my God, you have, to sit, you have to sit through story. It is efficient. But at the same time, there is a lot of time spent before you become Superman. But you also don't need to see... I, I mean, that's what this kind of... That's what More this movie baby is. penis? That's, that's what this uh, movie is, though. I mean, it is telling you the story of Superman. But yeah. it's brush. It's I mean, it's brushing over this stuff in in the general sense of things. When people act like it spends too much time, it's really not spending much. Yeah, okay, I I agree with you. Yes. No, you're I right. Mean, Glenn Ford, for all intents and purposes, gets one you know one monologue. Um, yeah. and because it's it's you know obviously it's the monologue that everybody quotes, blah blah blah. But yeah, you're right. It is efficient. It is, you know, the Smallville stuff is what ten minutes, maybe five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and from that, you went on with a ten, you know, a ten-year television series. We should we should note that what Young Superman's voice is redubbed by Chris Marie, correct? Yes, yes. In that in that whole, uh, the mindset of making movies back then is just kind of weird. But oh, well, we got people we wouldn't sure get they, it. Yeah, people, people wouldn't, wouldn't understand. Nope, they wouldn't. Speaking of things I don't understand, here's a new scene from the director's cut that doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about, Scott? She's going to become <laughs> Lois Lane when she grows up, and she's on the train right now going to the Metropolis land or something. And she's going to somehow age to a point where she's older than him when he gets to Metropolis. Do we know how long he spends in this Fortress of Solitude? Ten years? Obviously, because Lois well, Lane has to grow years. up. I think it's actually 12 years. Yeah, 12 right? years that, that, obviously that little girl can turn into Margot Kidder in 12 years. That's all I'm saying. It's, it's all about Einstein's theory of relativity. There, that's why. Man. That's why Margot. That's why Lois Lane shouldn't smoke. But see what happens. <laughs> There's something you wouldn't see today. Speaking of which, oh uh, yeah, I can't wait Children to see smoking? Amy. No. I can't wait to see Amy Adams just pounding cigarettes with the new <laughs> medicine. <laughs> hey, Clark. That would be enchanted. <laughs> Throw me another pillow. <laughs> Jimmy, come get a picture. <laughs> Hold on, I'm wheezy. <laughs> Uh. Oh, Lois Lane, you see the craziest things. Now sit back down or I'll slap you in the mouth. That's what it is. <laughs> That's the 1950s Superman. Mad Men style. Well, I mean, what, what year are we in? How much time is passing? Hold up, hold up. Later in this film, Superman gets a cat down from a tree for a girl, and then she goes and tells her mom about it, and you hear a slap noise. Yeah. <laughs> so, really? Richard Donner's not above 50s social commentary. <laughs> well, that's what you get for lying. <laughs> I, I love his look on his face. It's the most smug look that Clark ever gives in this series. Like, <laughs> he's trying to look all bad, but it's like, dude, you are still dressed like that. And the, and then they still don't like him, which is hilarious to me. Like, <laughs> oh, what? Get out of here, college boy. Get out of here, books, McGee over here. See, that's one of the things I liked about Chronicle is when the, you know, the what, second act, when he starts showing off his powers, his friends think, or people that he wants to impress think that's neat, and they start being his friend. Well, it helps Which, when you have Michael yeah. B. Jordan on your side. It helps. I mean, well, that's it. Whereas Wallace, he's right there making you feel better. Steve Montgomery. Oh. Thank you, Abe. I, I went for the Where's Wallace joke, but you, you went for the Steve Montgomery. Yeah. Which makes sense given the actual movie you were talking Where's about. Wallace, Where's Wallace? It's like more wire jokes. Yeah. Omar's coming. <laughs> now, okay, so I when I. The last. When I. I hadn't watched Superman in a long time before, I think, 2007. Like, there's a long gap between when I was watching that and watching that again. And um, so I watched it 
back then, and I hadn't like remembered a whole lot of it. But when I watched it, I got to this scene with Glenn Ford here, and when he dies, I was like legit upset about this. Like this is really sad because like yeah. his his last words are oh no, like he's completely like caught off guard by the fact that he's gonna die right now, and it's like really yeah. heartbreaking. And unlike well, most films where they you know melodramatically clutch their chest, in this he grabs his arm, which is somewhat more medically accurate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're almost oh. like, whoa, that's it? That's all we get of him? Yeah. One speech. Yeah. And you know what? It's actually Clark's fault because... It was the speech to Lana, end. Lana died, and he went to the Fortress of Solitude and said, this can't happen. So they changed time and the events. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I stopped watching. <laughs> Basically. No, you didn't. Uh, we we watched the season six premiere together, and that was season five. When did Glenn, uh, oh, Glenn Ford died in 2006. Oh, okay. 92. Yep. 90. 90. What time is it? Dead time. <laughs> like, right there. That's really like, sad. Oh, no. Nuts. Like, look at his face. Look how sad that is. He, he does not want to die right now. That is really sad. He's laughing to suppress the, the crying. That's so That's so sad. It was, and she made lemonade. I'd argue that the best superhero movies get the best deaths of their respective elders by the way well that's one of the reasons i like the first one of the things i love about the first spider-man movie which we talked about last year yeah. and that commentary is when he is shot and he's signing there dying he's crying he doesn't want to die he's not going out nobly and no you know don't be afraid son which was something i thought was kind of dumb in batman begins but whatever i, um, I like that batman begins like uh, there's a i get that it's it's a very kind of hushed yeah. like all right yeah. i guess i'm dying now but like, yeah, exactly. I, like there i think there's a for that actor, I can't think of his name offhand. Uh, Linus LaRouche. Linus LaRouche. Yeah, there we go. Like what he's what he's done to with his son, what you've seen him, how you've seen him talk to his son. Yeah. I I really admire what Nolan did try to do for that scene, for um, for, for for Crime Alley. Yeah. Um. I, and that said, I mean, I think that to be Batman Begins is much more. It's very. Sti- I think it's very style for all the for all its gritty realism it's known for. I think it's very stylized in how it's presenting its story. So that, oh, that's, absolutely, that's, and why, you that's know, why it fits for me. You know me. I've constantly whined about you know I, especially not Batman Begins and certainly not The Dark Knight Rises. Um, you know that they really aren't as grim and gritty and whatever as everybody thinks they are. You know they're adventure stories. They just take themselves seriously and they're smart. Um, you know it, it's when Batman Begins was coming out. You know Chris Nolan described it as. You know, a film, you know, an action film for 12 year old boys. That's really what it is. It's just a really good one. Yeah. Easily. Um, a little too brown, but yeah. Because <laughs> it, it can show on ABC Family, Christian Bale and Katie Holmes. Will they get together by the end of it, or will Gotham be covered in this poison? <laughs> He's a he's a man trying to find his way. She's the assistant to a district attorney. Together, they'll stop the crime wave from Scarecrow. Well, wasn't it? Wasn't it like he believes in family? No, no, he, he, he <laughs> family. He lives for love. He lives for love. <laughs> <laughs> also uh, starring Morgan Freeman. You don't want to hear about the Tumblr. Batman Begins. <laughs> Um, I can also see why back to this movie seems specific. Um, I can see why the origin story is brushed over fairly quickly because you look at this guy's face and even though like he's like, all right, he looks like Clark Kent Young. You, 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 I don't think you'd really, I don't think, I don't think you'd really want to spend that much time following this kid around. He seems kind of, you know, eh. no, it'd, it'd be like following one of the young Spocks in search for Spock. It's a good um, thing they kept changing actors. 
Well, and I think at this point in the mythology, you know, we're 1978, there really wasn't a lot of established origin story. You know, just like, you know, really the same thing with Burton's Batman to a certain extent. You know, what happened between, hey, my parents got shot, I'm Batman, there really wasn't a ton of that, material. No, that, that, ground, that ground was not tread. I mean, Batman Begins yeah. is the best job of having a yeah. having an agreeable origin story for, like, what did happen between parents and to Batman. Because by that time, other comic book writers had written that story many, many times in various forms. So you could pick and choose what worked and what didn't. Exactly. Same thing with Superman. You know, in the various, you know, whether it's John Bryan's Man of Steel, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Man of Steel, um, or, you know, Superman Birthright or Superman for All Seasons, there's a lot of material of the origin story that's been expanded on the last, you know, 20 years or so. So whatever Zack Snyder decides to do, you know, there's a lot to pick and choose from. Um, but with this, you know, back in 1978, his origin story was he came to Earth from Krypton, has powers, and... He's Superman. You know, if they want to take a page out of the right book, I mean, Mark Stephen Johnson's Daredevils. I mean, if you if you just have a kid, you know, with wire work fighting bullies, that's all you really need. Exactly. Movie <laughs> that happens. Still, hey, it, hey, hey! First. Don't don't talk about better movies during this one, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but it still takes like twenty five minutes to get to that point. The director's cut takes longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, the director's cut. The, you know, I think we're about forty minutes into it before the first big fight scene's over. Yeah. Uh, and I think that I like the director's cut of Daredevil. It's a solid movie. Cut, but yeah. whatever. It's a solid movie, director's cut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it has things it's got like Coolio. Dare, Daredevil. <laughs> it has Coolio points, and it doesn't you know, allow Daredevil <laughs> to have a chance to, like, maybe I should have sex with Jennifer Garner instead of stopping crime <laughs> that I can hear. No, I'm Daredevil. <laughs> I'm going to actually do that instead. Bye, Jennifer Garner. Like, that has that scene. So that's and cool. it has things like a middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Lion King. We've got a middle. We have a second act. They're saying Hokuna Matata. That's that's the entire second act. <laughs> the whole second yeah, act that's the, that's the middle. That's yeah, that's exactly the middle, and then yeah. it's, and then it's third act. Yeah. <laughs> Did Clark Kent just turn into a wolf? What? Oh, I was just watching the scene. I, he's I been bitten by a werewolf. I thought he turned into a wolf. No, no, he's standing out there with Luke Skywalker watching the two suns rise. Oh, okay. could, you know, they do add powers in these movies that he doesn't have. <laughs> Richard Lester turning Superman into a wolf. Hey, Donner did it too. Did he? <laughs> what powers did Donner add? I think the cellophane thing was still was something he shot. It's not in the director's cut. It's not in the direct. Okay. But I've I'm, only watched that once. I'll take your word for it. Travel, okay, traveling back in time. That that was something Donner. Well, and Donner's stuck by it because he put well, it. In well, the we'll Donner's... get there. We'll get. We'll get there. Well, to be fair, you know, again, you know, this was eight years before the you know crisis continuity, which revamped everything. Superman could pretty much do anything the, the author wanted in any Superman book, you know, during the fifties and sixties and seventies. If, yeah, if you want to be really specific, I mean, Superman's powers have changed since he began. Yeah, so. true. He couldn't fly in the first you know X number of stories. He just could un- leap high buildings in a single bound. Exactly, yeah. Um, but in fact, I'm not sure if he flew until the cartoon series, the, the Fleischer cartoons, uh, but don't quote me on that. Uh, yeah, I'd say there's some comics there where I have him flying, but yeah, you can, oh. around the same time for sure. It's yeah. Like... Um, Ma Kent seems really uh, concerned about what Clark's going to do next. Clark's like, I don't need school. 
Marlon Brando taught me everything I knew. <laughs> I got my degree in Marlon Brando. Yeah, I, I went to does, I went to Brandeis. Hold on. I'm how sorry. does he get a job anyway? He doesn't have a high school diploma. He doesn't have a college diploma. He got. He knows how he can type like a mother. He he, well, he puts I'm up sure a great that's resume. Part of Jor-El's teachings was scheming uh, <laughs> Earthlings. Fake. Here's a fake ID with a fake birth certificate. It's, Which, all, this, way, it's all in the fortress. It's all in the fortress. Which, by the way, birth certificate. How did he get one? We Ma, call this the long con. Ma, Ma can't like so like knitted him up one right before he left. <laughs> he knitted him a birth certificate. Yeah, it's the it's the, a different time, Abe. Different time. <laughs> Very Malik the scene, by the way. Yes. Yeah. All you need are some shadows. This is like this is like right out of Days of Heaven. Same year too, right? Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, it is actually. <laughs> I like to think that Donner and Malik just run had long phone calls with each other. Like, what are you well, doing? Well, over on the other side of the hill, they're shooting. They're Days shooting. Of Heaven. Yeah, Richard Gere's on the other side. I got nowhere else to go. That's not for Days of Heaven. I just like saying that line for Richard Gere. <laughs> I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> no, no, Richard. Tuesday is our day to use the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Shepard's like on both sets. Like, which one do I want to do? <laughs> He can't uh, fly yet, so he, he hiked. And now we got something that looks like a set. Yeah, yeah it does. Did he hike? So he, presumably he hiked to the North Pole. Is that what happens? Uh, yeah. yes. Hike. He just, he, he hiked. It's a hop, skip, and a jump. And in what? Superman 2, he hitchhikes back to the North Pole. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> right, so in Man of Steel, he does something, apparently. He's like, he's doing a lot of drifting. Oh, that's that right, movie. yeah. It's throwing homage to Superman 2. Yeah, bearded version, of course. Mm. That seems like the spot. <laughs> as long as no wampas attack me, I'll be set. Wasn't this Bugs. Lex Luthor's entire scheme in Superman Returns? What he's doing right now? Yeah, take a crystal out of your bag, throw it into the water, and you know it's like a it's like a ch 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 Krypton pet. Just add water. Uh, yeah, and in, in the the trilogy, if you go with Superman Returns, it's, it's Superman versus the most evil real estate agent ever. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> well, that's I think true. that's one of the issues is that he basically does the exact same plot, you know, a similar version of the same plot he did in Part One. Like, which I... from well, a screenwriting part, part two, he, all he's out to do. Oh, you guys, you Kryptonians, you can you can rule this place, but can I get some land? Thank you. <laughs> Who wrote Returns? Was it hit? Was it Singer and Ottman? Did they do it together? Uh, I, I think I, Singer was definitely involved in the script. Yeah, he did, yeah, it was very much. Hmm, let me look it up. I mean, we'll get it up too. I, I I thought I could type in Returns in Wikipedia and immediately get it, but that did not work. So I'm gonna type in Superman Returns and see if that works. Instead. Yeah. Oh no, Michael. Oh, Michael Doherty and Dan Harris. They uh, they what? They co-wrote uh, Spider-Man Two, I believe. Uh, no, X Two, X Two. But yeah, because it's Brian Singer, so it's his screenwriters. You know, I have to say, we've we, it's been what uh, at least ten minutes since since uh, uh, Pocket died, and there's been almost no dialogue. Yeah, there's been fifteen minute stretch where nobody talks. Yeah, it's like Ma Kent like looking. Anxiously at Clark about what he's going to do next, um, and That's it's interesting. And, and and you know, and Brandon mentioned this in his essay about the first Superman movie. I would wonder how kids today would respond to this picture because it's it it takes a little work. 
You know, it's yeah. it's I love it because I know what I'm familiar with it. I love the characters, et cetera, et cetera. But for someone, you know, a kid, you know, six, seven, eight years old who's not a hardcore Superman nerd, this is a long, you know, there's a you have to wait a little while. I think if I think if if you're a seven, eight, nine year old child watching this, like with your dad at home, I think it's a movie that works. I think if you're in a theater, yeah. you're going to get restless. It could be. That's true. It depends what you're brought up on, too. Like, I, I'm sure my son's going to be exposed to, like, you know, older movies right away. But if it's someone who's... He, he damn well better be Brandon. Whose parent, <laughs> someone whose parent isn't, like, a cinephile or something, uh, they might not care for it. Yeah. And, it's, you know, I've, I've... You know, my daughter, you know, knows who Superman is. She's seen, you know, Justice League, Super Friends, stuff like that. Because, like, I don't know if she would particularly enjoy this. Because it's not particularly... You know, it is more of a character drama with bursts of incredible action. I mean, a, a um, kid, the, all the Krypton stuff at the beginning, I, that's probably, who cares to a kid? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I would say the same when I was growing up about Empire, because Empire is a movie yeah. that's, Empire Strikes Back, of course. I mean, that's a movie that is character-driven and very, you know, oh, they're, still, they're still on Hoth. Like, it's just, there's a lot of that going on. Well, you're right. When I was a kid, you know, even though it's, you know, today it's probably my least favorite of the original three films, if I were to pick a Star Wars film at random, I'd throw in Star Wars. That was the one that, that was the easiest sit. Yeah. I loved Jedi, but it was long. I loved Empire, but it was again, it was it was you had that wasn't something you could sort of half watch. And I think that getting back to what you know, between Superman and Superman Two, what Brandon was talking about, is yes, to a certain extent, Superman Two is an easier movie just to throw in and kind of, you know, watch it just you know, not really paying that much attention to it. Well that works with the best superhero sequels in general though too. I mean that's why yeah. I mean you get that origin out of the way and why Superman one works is as you've said, Scott, is because Superman has pretty much the best origin story, the most absorbing one, but you get to Batman, it's like, okay, I get it, yeah, his parents died. Like let's get to Dark Knight where he's already, you know, yeah. being Batman. Let's get to Hellboy two where you don't have to have this all this other bad backstory. Let's get to Blade Two where you don't have to deal with all this other stuff. Like there's a lot of it, it just uh, these other superhero movies, they have that ground covered already. Iron Man yeah. arguably works because Iron Man's – because it's just the Robert Downey Jr. show in that first movie. So well, and a yeah. lot of people aren't familiar with Iron Man. That too, but I mean at the same time, that story is, in, that story is so much fun to watch because it's Robert Downey Jr. doing oh, that yeah. story. Yeah. I, think. I don't think it's because okay. you're like, I can't wait to get to the Iron Man portions of this. You're like, no, I, wanna, I really like learning about this Tony Stark character. Well, and I think that's why Batman Begins works is that you enjoy – the you know daily life of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I mean, if anything, if anything, he's more engaging as Bruce Wayne than he is as Batman. Yeah, that's, um, that's true. But I, I and I'm not saying Batman Gibbs is and no, no, are, are, are leaps and bounds better or one's leaps and bounds better than yeah. the other. But I mean, you 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 cover that ground that you expect to see already, so you can get to like the exciting. Here's a superhero part, and I think that works yeah. better in a lot of well, these and, superior superhero sequels. And, and it's, Batman Begins is really the first measure of giving batman the origin story uh, batman the 1989 one does it but yeah, there's it just jumps right it, it's batman. it's just a bonus little detail and then the, the the 60s one didn't even touch on it i mean they you missed the traumatic scene of adam west watching his parents get shot in front of him it's not on my copy it was oh, it was God. it was weird when Caesar no! did that. when caesar romero shot his parents in the face you put down <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> and like, and Burgess Meredith was there in the background going, rah, rah, rah. Actually, it didn't occur to me right now, but I, you know, that's a joke, obviously. But there is an episode, a late episode of Super Friends, that deals with Batman's origin with Adam West as Batman, huh. where you know he gets doused with Scarecrow's hallucinogen and watches his parents get killed. Holy great ghost, Batman! Yeah, 
It's it's traumatic for an episode of Super Friends. Um, and now we have cool stuff in space. Yeah, well, I feel like I'm watching narrating. It's like it's like dailies from Kubrick 2001, apparently. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's what the, I'm sure they were kind of going for that too. Yeah, you know, on, on one side you have like Lucas, Spielberg, and Scorsese and Coppola hanging out. On the other side you have Donner, Malick, and Kubrick just going to the bar and just doing stuff with each other. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you know, we're basically watching nothing. It's basically you know stars in the sky. Um, that's why yeah, that's, kids that, might. Not. Yeah. that's why Brando gets top Billy because he can guide you through these kind of scenes. Yeah. And here we go, a mere forty-five minutes. So that's been less than an act. And, um, and because this is the length, you still get a a full regular Superman movie. And that's what I think. You know, that's what I think the difference is between a good origin story versus a not good origin story. You know, Casino Royale, Batman Begins. They're bat, you know, Batman Begins, for example. That's a Batman movie. Yeah, he doesn't put on the costume till an hour in, but you've still got ninety minutes of Batman fun. You're attached. Casino Royale, he's basically James Bond within the first thirty minutes. The rest of the movie is just him finding his footing, being James Bond. It's not like something like, uh, you know, Ridley Scott's Robin Hood, where in the last two minutes, okay, now he's Robin Hood and an outlaw. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So the you're four right. people that saw Robin Hood, that's what that's from. <laughs> uh, I wonder if Kate Blanchett remembers she was in that movie. I wonder if I remember that there's a like a dark man mask in this movie that I'm watching right now. I I quickly in Robin Hood, how how hilarious is the story of that movie getting made? <laughs> like we are making a Sheriff of Nottingham movie from you know the Robin Hood story from that perspective. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> they got that, remember, remember when that sounded interesting to you? Like, yeah, because it, yeah, it really did. I really thought that sounds like, yeah, all right, a Seraph of Nottingham movie. That sounds pretty cool. No, we're just, we're just, this is what happens. <laughs> and then it just became Robin Hood. And then this scene actually always struck me as interesting because you know she's writing about what seems to be some really awful crime stories, you know, rape and massacre, blah blah blah. And it's a good, you know, East Side murder. It's a good way to establish that Metropolis is a, you know dangerous, violent place, while still keeping with the PG rating, because you don't actually show any crime going down. Well, I... I you're like uh, a minute ahead of us, Scott, by the way. Yeah. Oh, crap. We're like, <laughs> we're like 50, 50, 51 minutes exactly right now. I, I watched, Wait, you know... You're 51 minutes? And, yeah. I'm 49. <laughs> oh, snap. Uh, are you guys all watching the Blu-ray? Is that what's going on? I'm on the yeah. Blu-ray director's Blu-ray. Oh, crap. I'm yeah, on Robo- Robocop is looking through his new lenses. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're watching Jimmy Olsen take pictures of Are you watching, like, the PAL DVD? I don't know. What the problem. heck is going on here? <laughs> maybe the logo, hold on, hold on. Maybe the logos are shorter. He's watching the Krypton version. <laughs> hey, Brandy, you want to talk about Jimmy Olsen a little bit? <laughs> Jimmy Olsen! Yes, he has nothing to do here. There's nothing in Superman 2. In Superman 3, he teams up with Clark to go back to Smallville to cover the story with his photos, only to be injured before they actually get to Smallville and is gone for the rest of the movie. He does feature prominently in Supergirl, and I... Thank God. He doesn't do much in Superman 4, does he? But Jimmy Olsen appears in more theatrical release films than Superman. Jackie Cooper like just died like two years ago, I think. Yeah. Yes. He's he's a good Perry White. I like him. Yes. Like They're was... all good Perry Whites. I mean, I liked. Uh, I like Lane, Lane Smith. Smith. Yeah. yeah. He, he died a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
but he was a terrific Barry White. Uh, Barry White seems like a good character. That seems like a people people tend to get that part down. Like I don't yeah. I don't know why, but that seems to work. It's tough to screw up. I guess so. Um, but like J- Jonah Jameson, you could easily screw up. But I think well, it, that's been done well too. So. Yeah. Um, pa Kent's another role that you know, it's that's such a great role that it's really hard to. I mean, even John Schneider, if you just watch Smallville, you assume he's a great actor. It's because yeah. because you don't cast an asshole in that part. That's really yeah. what it is. Like no one's ever yeah. casting an asshole to play to play, play Pa Kent. You're always Chris casting McLover a guy. Lover as Pa Kent. Yeah, like you're, not, you're always <laughs> you're casting someone that that you know is going to be genuine as a father in that role. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but making a making a a lovable news editor newspaper editor, I think that that could provide some trickiness. But I think that part's always been you know pretty much well yeah. received. Even you know he didn't have much to do, but Frank Langella was fine in Superman Returns. Yeah, I liked Frank Langella. Um, but I will say this, and I did talk to somebody that has seen Man of Steel, and the only detail they provide is that Kevin Costner might get an Oscar nomination. Whoa. What? Yeah. Um, I, 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 fucking Costner with him. <laughs> crying in the trailer like a... <laughs> I don't like Kevin Costner, by the way, if it doesn't come out, but yeah, no, I'll deal with it. Uh, let's get to Christopher Reeve, who's just impeccable as Clark Kent right now. He's great. He's. I mean, this is a terrific performance. He's completely two different people. Well, and no, no, go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm just he. I mean, it wouldn't be. Th- I mean, when you had George Reeves, he was just George Reeves. Yeah, Superman and Clark Kent, and uh, before him too. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, the guy in the serials. Um, I will. Uh, I don't know. Irrelevant uh, because uh, but, Ben I mean, Affleck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, he was really you know Christopher Reeve Bill Gossett Jr. Even uh, from the comics. This was really the first time that an attempt is made to make Clark Kent into a different person than Superman, other than just, hey, look, it's Clark Kent without glasses. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, I mean, yes, Christopher Reeve is a wonderful actor. He's Juilliard trained. He's, you know, not everybody can do this. You know, it's one of the reasons I defend Brendan Fraser to the extent that I do. But I have to wonder, does he work as well as he does because we have no idea who he is? Therefore, he is Superman. I mean, no. and that's, that's, that's the best. Benefit of casting well, in a complete unknown. Well, well, that, but I, I really think his Clark to Superman transformation is distinct. No matter, yeah. you know, if, he, if we knew who he was, or the fact that he introduced us to Superman. Was that Donald Sutherland came out of the other? <laughs> <laughs> was it seriously? Invasion of the Body just... <laughs> Like he just yelled. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> looks just like the same building. Um, but. I think because, you know, when we think of Superman image-wise, Reeves comes up, that's one thing. But actually, his performance in here is another, too, and led to that, possibly. But Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me just thank listeners, by the way, for sticking with us, by the way. We've gone on so many tangents, but I'm really enjoying this conversation. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) But, Uh, no, he's – I don't know. I mean, his Clark is a little – a bit too dopey, but it works. It's dopey in the. It's dopey in a way that fits what Donner's going for in this movie. Like you, you it's it's almost like you, you know a guy like this or back in the day. I agree. Oh yeah, easily. <laughs> um, and Brandon, I got to take a little issue because I think I I like Margot Kidder as Lois Lane, and I do I do think. She no, is, no 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 no. Oh whoa whoa. I think she. But hold on. You, you, I, okay. I, I don't. Did I, I bash her? You I, questioned why Clark would like her. Yes. And yes I can, you did. And I can I can see why Clark would like her. I don't. I can see why Clark would. I don't know admire her, but I don't see romantic interest. 
I think she's I can see why she would why she would be all about Superman, but I don't see why Superman. I can see why you know the Clark Kent kind of guy might, but he's really Superman, and what Superman would see with this feisty reporter just well also keep, also keep in mind, frankly, you know if we if the continuity of this is this is the first relationship with any woman he's probably ever had in any context. Uh, he went well, we, we miss we miss some of the growing up years when he's yeah. There, there's some history with Lana Lang. Well, is there in this in this film? Not is he well, just it, cheerleader that she likes? To it, well, it's alluded to in Superman Three. That's true. You're right. You're right. It's uh, going off in this movie. I'd like to think some of that's in the back. I, I I wouldn't think that none of that's in consideration. But no, I don't yeah. think I don't think Chris Reeve is necessarily bringing the baggage of man. I had this past of Lana Lang going in his mind. I think it's, <laughs> he's purely it's purely focused on I need to for some reason. For in some way, show that I'm attracted to to yeah. Lotus Lane. I, I think no, I think Mario Kidder's a good Lotus Lane. I I do not know. I I think she's a good Lotus Lane. I'm just I, my my comments were solely on the um, attraction between the two. Um, that was that was it. No, I, I I do think she's good Lotus Lane. I think you know her personal life is another thing, but that's see that Reeve right there with him. <laughs> with him looking at the smirk. bullet and the little smirk he gives there's something just that works perfectly about Christopher Reeve in this movie like he he knows exactly how to how to how to jump back and forth between those two personas that's not an easy task to do you know it's rare that you you don't see that often at all I don't I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of other superhero movies or characters that have that kind of dual persona that you literally see go back and forth between and I'm struggling to do so. Have you seen Ned Beatty yet? <laughs> there, there he is. is right okay, is. good. We're caught up, I think. I, I'm pretty sure I can't hear the music, but I'm pretty sure it sounds... Let's just do that for two minutes. Now, since we're about to meet Lex, did you guys agree that Superman 3... Robert Vaughn's character is far more what we expect of Lex Luthor than what they give us in these first two movies. Well, and you're right, and I think it's shocking in that he predates the post-crisis version of Lex Luthor by about three or four years. Now, you know, I'm sure you guys all know this. You know, the pre-crisis, this was Lex Luthor. He's a creepy, wacky, mad scientist living in a tunnel. You know, doing, you know, making robots and and you know, basically trying to kill Superman. It wasn't until 1986, 1987, when John Bryan, you know, restarted the mythos that they took Lex Luthor, made him basically a Donald Trump figure. That was the idea back then, obviously, um, where he was this rich, you know, this corporate rich king of the world who hated Superman because, you know, Superman was worshipped just for existing, while Lex Luthor had to work for it. Um, but you're right in that uh, uh, Vaughn's character in Superman three is a closer approximation to that character before it even existed, which I find fascinating. Yeah, and they even cast an actor that was, like, similar to Hackman, and and then he's got a bunch of faux henchmen that resemble Ned Beatty and Miss Tessmacher. It's amazing how game-changing the 80s were for comics, because you have all... You, you feel like you, you... I mean, I'm clearly speaking from my own age, but, I mean, you... It seems like you have a clear understanding of who Batman is and who Superman is based on things that were more popularized in the 80s with the work done there in comics than before. Like before and Batman, I mean, aside from the massive amounts of Batman 
comic fans. I mean, the average Batman fan these days would just knows him as he's hardcore and always badass. Like you don't see, you don't recognize that campiness is something that was a standard back then, or like you don't recognize the Silver Age more than you recognize what's going on with what Miller did for the character. Well, I mean, at least Batman pretty much stopped being campy around 1969, 1970. Um, that was sort of the Cape Crusader era yeah. where they did go back to their roots to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially with Superman. Yeah, you're right. Once the post-crisis took over, especially with Superman, which started from scratch, Batman, you know, you had the new origin story from Frank Miller, but it still acknowledged all the previous adventures that had taken place. Um, but yeah, there really is no... when people, You're right. When people think of Superman, they think of everything post-1986, 1987. And this is really the film's only on-screen fatality that we're about to see, yeah. if I recall. Yeah. But even with um, like Lex Luthor, like you don't recognize him as the you you don't when you think Lex Luthor, you don't think of the Gene Hackman iteration of that character. You think yeah. of the, the 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 Donald Trump like character version of yeah. The, you think of uh, John Chee from Lois and Clark. Yep, yep. That was you know not being a comic hardcore comic nerd back in '93 when that show premiered. That was a revelation to me. Seeing Lex Luthor portrayed like that it wasn't until a few years later when I sort of got into the comics. There was oh, so that was like that in the comics too. Interesting. Why is Michael um, Rosenbaum not a bigger actor? By the way. I don't know. He's, hmm. he's, he's solid in that role. I'm just going to pretend like Jordan's not here. Jordan, hey, how you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm trying something new. I just got a microphone. Yeah, you sound very controlled right now. It's all nice. This, all this cool gadgets. Yeah. So, hello, everybody. Hello. Jordan, how are you? Good are evening. You, are you a big fan of the um, Superman the movie? Um, I think it's okay. <laughs> I, I may be in the minority here. But no, I'm 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 just not a huge fan of it. Oh, you're being serious. You aren't a big fan of Superman. <laughs> no, I'm 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 actually not a big fan of any of the Superman films. Would you would, do you at least acknowledge Superman's presence as one of the best superhero movies? It's, or in yeah. terms of in terms of legacy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I, I understand why people love it. But let me ask you, where are you? Um we are about an hour and two minutes in. We just watched we just watched um, Harry. 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 <laughs> we're, 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 now, we're just now being introduced to Lex Luthor. Oh, wow. Okay, good. Yeah, you know, people complain good. about how campy Lex Luthor is. I would argue that he's not that campy. It's just that his henchmen are very goofy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He oh. is, plays a relative, I mean, obviously, he's a funny guy. He has a sense of humor. But the character itself takes itself very, you know, the character is some, it's mostly serious. I, I don't think it's, Hackman's performance isn't, it's his costuming, his layer, his, yeah. his, it's know, everything Hackman. around Hackman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But again, you know, in the 1970s, you know, up to 1986, that was Lex Luthor. I mean, you know, the only, the only way, the reason this guy looks anything like, you know, the new Lex Luthor is because he's not bald. I think that's part of the reason, one of the reasons why Superman Returns fails, because I don't think, I think Kevin Spacey doesn't, he does while he's menacing, yes, I think he's also playing up the fact that the things around him are goofy. As opposed well, to yes. Hackman, Kevin Spacey who... can't de- can't decide which Lex Luthor he wants to be. Yeah, you're right. Between, and it's what hurts. He, he wants to be Hackman. He wants to be menacing. Uh, like, he wants to play around. It just doesn't work. It's so uneven. And If, if Kevin Spacey had just done the same part he did in The Bugs Life, he would have made a great Lex Luthor. I, 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 that's... That's humorous, but that's completely right. No, no, he's terrifying in that film. He is, but yeah, yeah that is I, that is an R-rated villain performance in a G-rated cartoon. Yeah, stupid Hopper. That's <laughs> right. Um, 
with the new Thor. I'm sorry, I had to do it once. <laughs> um. All right, see him. No, and, and even though this is, you know, quote-unquote the first comic book movie, there is still a sense that, oh, it's a comic book film, it's supposed to be a little cartoonish, it shouldn't be that serious, the villain shouldn't be that scary, etc., etc. Um, and really, that's, I would argue, one of the things that Tim Burton's Batman sort of changed. I mean, yeah, yeah people like to whine, yeah. oh, you know, Nicholson is can't be compared to Heath Ledger, okay, fine, whatever. He was scary but back in the day. Yeah. He still is, just because, you know, he just kills people for fun. Straight up killing folk. He kills his henchmen. He kills Bob. Yeah. He kills he Bob. Kills... <laughs> Out of uh, anger, though. Yeah. I mean, he just he kills an incredible amount of people, just for no particular reason, just for fun. Now, and... with you saying that, though, I mean, he did have the Zod setups there. Like, I, and it, I imagine that Donner, in his mind, knows what Zod's going to, I don't know, maybe he doesn't know the power of Terrence Stamp, but I think he knows that he's setting up that he has set up a very powerful foe for Superman to face in the, the second half of the movie that he's currently filming. But, I mean, with, with, with Zod, while he's like that, it still it falls into the fish under fish out of water story, which adds much more humor. That oh. humor's there, but I mean in that in that Donner cut, like he's you know, he's capping people at the White House. Like it's... Well, yeah, yeah. Um Yes, in the Donner cut, you're right. And that's one of the things I never liked about Richard Lester's Superman too, is there does seem to be a, a, you know, again, they're holding back in the violence. Um, obviously, it's a Superman film. You don't need to see, you know, hundreds of people being killed. Um, but there is a weird sense you have these Kryptonian supervillains that theoretically could, you know, bump you off by blowing at you, and they seem reluctant to kill people. Um, we might have to talk about well, Superman too. They too, do just kill the, I don't want to watch they, it. They, they do kill a few people here and they there. They kill the astronaut right they off do. when they're first. And that's the one, you know, that may be the, the situation of you establish them as scary so they don't have to constantly be scary. Do they kill them or do they just send them into space? Is that George Clooney in the suit? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ah. That was Alfonso Cuaron. And remember Superman 2 when the guy went. Uh, I make a whole movie about that. I make a whole movie about that. Make Superman an outlaw. I, don't, I just want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, the director's cut of Superman 2 does have them being more menacing. But I would say both versions tone, you know, sort of undercut that by a certain amount of campy humor. And Brandon's right. It is fish out of water humor. Well, here's a question. Do you consider Superman 2 to be a darker film than the first one or a lighter one? Uh, I think, I don't think either of them are dark. I think there are some heavy emotions in Superman 2. Um, while this one, pretty much, the only emotionally heavy moment is comes right at the end. I, I feel super, the first one's a little more straight. Yeah. Than than the second one. The second one's a little bit looser. I mean, the second one has the the dis the non benefit of being shot by two directors too. Though. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I mean, which it, I wouldn't necessarily say shows, but I it's there. <laughs> I mean, just uh, prime scene to compare is the uh, where Lois or Clark reveals he's. Superman to Lois in the Donner cut, she's threatening him with a, a gun filled with blanks and shoots him to prove the point. In the other one, he bumbles around and falls into a fire. Because Superman trips and falls. Yeah. I would do that. But I mean, that's just the drastic difference between the two. And you can easily see where Lester's touch is. Because without Lester, you would have got something much closer to this or exactly on point with this 
It's a good thing that Superman's first, you know, heroic act is to save Lois Lane. That's really convenient. <laughs> and we're an hour and five. Oh, I am. I don't know where you guys are. We're an hour and eight minutes. <laughs> damn it. Darn it. I'm an hour and 30 minutes into it. Scott's I'm... like, so, so he's uh, just, this dam exploded. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Anyway, I'm an hour and five minutes in. Um, Lois... I think we're both in the same scene anyway. Yeah, Lois is boarding this giant yes. helicopter. And it's again, it, it's again, it, it, he's about to make his first big Superman appearance. It's a, about the same amount of time as in uh, Batman Begins. You know, he shows up as Batman in the warehouse an hour and five. Um, so, and again, you know, I, the last time I saw this was it was uh, two years ago, and I had just seen Captain America, and it really is just sort of amazing how this film completely set the template for part ones in superhero films. Yes. Batman against Captain America, you know, what have you. Iron Man. Iron Man. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah, yeah. Ghost Rider. Uh, (laughs) Don't (laughs) you dare talk about Ghost Rider negatively. (laughs) Um, I mean, it just, it, 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 and arguably, you know, we can debate how well it succeeds, but you can tell Green Lantern wants to have the same three-act structure. Yeah, wants to. Um, yeah. um, she's shrieking at it. Wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I, no, Scott, I played way cooler. <laughs> Help! I'd fucking take you, a you, cigarette. Just just, you yeah, you just turn to the pilot and go, don't be afraid. <laughs> hey, 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 fear is a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Danger is real. <laughs> Danger is real. Fear is Apparently, a Batman Begins is all about Scientology too. I'd ghost my way out of the situation. Um, no fear. Uh, I do like, and this is going to come up in just a second, when Clark Kent sort of looks at the phone booth and you know, sort of gives a knowing wink because he can't use it. Yeah. Um. There's clever little touches like that where the where the movie dares to attempt to know what movie it is again. Yeah. Which only But again, it's not overbearing. It isn't. I love the, the, the cops that just look like actors dressed as cops. <laughs> I love how none of these people have any idea what's going on until they come outside. And it's amazing that they have great vision. Yes. It's also amazing that there are so many people coming outside of an office building at like nine PM. <laughs> Daylight, daylight savings, Abe. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Fall back. It's five. Yeah. <laughs> and the buildings are really tall, so that you know it makes the blocks out the. the oh my god! It's a state buff marshmallow man. <laughs> and everyone's looking up Lois Lane's skirt and Superman. <laughs> uh oh, score! Nobody saw that. Couldn't wait until I got Ooh. in there. How did he do that? Hey, there you go. Here, Aaron, pay attention. That's a bad... <gasps> Woo! <laughs> Woo! Oh, my God. We need more well, jive-talking turkeys like that guy. Here, come, here, here comes the, one, the wonderful... Who's got you? <laughs> I'm sure Zach's not a put away. Got me! <laughs> yeah. And I hope not. Amy Adams is constantly asking that. It's funny. I like it. It works. It's classic. I swear that that part is in every like Superman montage. 
Because it's a good line. <laughs> I like and now he just dodges and the helicopter crashes. Yeah. Like, I've got you. Move this way. <laughs> so long, losers. <laughs> and that's something that Spider-Man 3 kind of misses the mark on when, like, everything's just... Like, that construction equipment's going out of... Like, somehow going out of control in that scene with Bryce Dallas Howard. And, yeah. like, <laughs> Spider-Man doesn't really... He doesn't really stop much of the, that debris from getting the ground. <laughs> That said, remember that scene in Spider-Man 3? Oh my god, like, that construction equipment's going out of this world. <laughs> it's all over the place. It's like, what happened that day? The argument that for this scene could be made that Superman's, like, effects of catching that helicopter aren't that good, but I like it. I like how I like, it I, I like how easy it looks for him, because he's fucking yeah. Superman. I think, well, it really, I... I think that is very, <laughs> that's very well emphasized in that scene. I'm a practical <laughs> effects junkie, so even if it's, you know, kind of cheesy it's a little bit charming to me that it's you know, it works open. i think it but i think it does i think it regardless of how like it looks like this is an effect i think it looks like it looks to me like superman just caught a helicopter out of the sky because he's he can do that like yeah. it's not it's not something that's gonna break his back like, it's, it's just, funny that you say that because you know if you watch the 90s cartoon the bruce tim stuff they kind of went out of their way to you know decrease suspense by showing that a lot of what superman did was hard for him yeah but it got a little silly because you know Lifting a plane is tough. Okay, fine. But it got to be like lifting a baseball would also strain him. <laughs> or, you know, oh, no, a shopping cart. Yeah, and so to, oh. Bri- to Brian Singer's credit, I think he did a good job of presenting Superman with challenges. Yes. What it's worth. I mean, in the three action scenes that there are in that movie. Whenever he well, did, actually did something. Yeah. Well, and one of those action scenes is out of the animated series. Yeah. The plane crash is almost, you know, work, you know that's basically, you know, that's the animated series. Yeah, but we added a hundred million dollars on it. So. Exactly. But that, but I mean, lifting an entire planet made of kryptonite. I mean, that's that's not that's not a walk in the park. <laughs> that's really all he does in that movie is lift stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's legitimately called Superman lifts. Superman's yeah. still lifting, and Superman's still. <laughs> Do people still rob like this? Yeah, they get on a they get on a building that's actually horizontal, then they tilt the frame to make it look like they're going vertical. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this series of events because we get to see Superman just like stopping like petty crimes and stuff, and not just you know going after the the big yeah. bad scheme of the film. You get to see what he actually does in the meantime. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's not like he didn't he didn't just get that helicopter. He's like, oh, I'm good. Like he's uh, yeah, like, he's taking some time to do other things. It's like Mr. I mean, Incredible saving the cat. Exactly. I mean, Incredibles is a great example of that whole f- opening sequence. Just like, yep, this is what he does. Like, <laughs> Mr. Incredible, Mr. Incredible. I'd watch that prequel. <laughs> you, you would not be surprised if he. I mean, Brad Bird's a man of his word, but rhymes. But I think he, you know, he. If if they made an incredible, if they made an Incredibles prequel, you know, Incredibles University, they'd. Um, <laughs> I'd, watch, I'd, watch the, I'd watch more stuff. I'd watch more stuff with, with Super Hot, Elastigirl, and Frozone with the Fro. <laughs> uh, if Although, he wants to, I guess that's fine, but I... I, I would not see it coming, yeah. but I also wouldn't put it... If, I'm, I'm honestly surprised that there's not like a Disney Disney animated series version of The Incredibles that takes place before they became The Incredibles. Like, that's... <laughs> it's um, just, that's, like that's like money in the bank, but whatever. If this was 1990, they would have probably done that animated series. And it would have crossed over with DuckTales. And, Al- and Aladdin. DuckTales. <laughs> yeah, somehow. Woo! Aladdin was a surprisingly decent show. It is. I like that show. Yeah. It has continuity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we Um, That's Tailspin. Um, 
But now, now <laughs> or of Superman badassing it around Metropolis. I don't know if you guys noticed, but these bad guys have a getaway boat. <laughs> it's a very, they're yeah, they're, they're trying to get a, quite they're they're rich. they're going to get away two knots at a time. Well, back back <laughs> in the day, the seventies, the eighties, they always had a getaway boat, didn't they? This is like boats a thing, cool. right? I like their very colorful ski masks. One cop with a handgun. Yeah, just I made this money tonight. Can you fly, Bobby? <laughs> Robocop. <laughs> Where did you come from, Long? <laughs> that should be funny. That's <laughs> an hilarious line. I'm not going to deny laughing at that line because it's hilarious. <laughs> Bad vibration. It is funny. classic Superman quip. Hey, he's typical New York cop. Yeah, wearing a sports. Well, I tell you no. Pizza. Hey, New York. Pizza. The Yankees. Typical New York cop. They don't have anything to say. They just name things in New York. His name is Boogie. Eiffel Tower. Oh, I mean, let's just be, let's just be, let's just be Robert De Niro and Harvey Keitel Mean Streets. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, what? Hey, hey. Oh, he's gonna get a little girl slap. He is. I'm gonna listen to this. I hope the subtitle says that is not the kind of cat that a little girl has, by the way. That no girl has that cat. Throws the. <laughs> that's not right. Take this back. That's like a cat for a villain. Where do I take it off my headphones so I can hear this slap right now? Here we go. Um... And you know, 1978. Except, I'll wait for. I know you want to hear the slap. Oh, <laughs> they didn't have a. It completely was... no slapper. That's so funny. <laughs> but it's it's you know 19 you know it's 1978 etc etc. These flying effects arguably look as good as anything we've seen in the last 30 years, more or less. Yeah, I take these effects over Green Lantern any day. Yeah. yeah, and even Superman Returns. Yeah, they're a little faster and they're more fluid, but they're no better, I would argue. No, and you can totally see a CG Superman every time yeah. he's flying. And, but the, the flying is good here, but it gets progressively worse. Yes, like it Superman does. Superman 3's bad. Supergirl, there, it looks like there's a couple scenes where... It looks like you're watching a person sitting in front of a movie screen. That would be Superman 4. Have you gotten yes. there yet? Uh, no. Superman 4, it's, where, it's like where, they, where... Cut, they cut out a piece of paper of him flying forward and pushed it toward the screen and filmed it. <laughs> Superman, yeah, I... Superman 4, where Lois Lane enters space. No, no, the, I think the other one enters space. Barely, it, no, no, Lois is in space in Superman 4. I will take your word for it. I thought it was the other one. I haven't seen Superman 4 in probably whew, seven years. Yeah, it's a it's a right. it is a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, you have somebody else on the line. I've, oh yeah, I've got a it's this is guy Philip here. He used to own a comic book store. He knows more than I do about the character. Mm. Uh, maybe well, it remains, remains to be seen. We just uh, said, we good. have a we have a super crowded podcast commentary for Superman the movie. But you know what? No matter how bad the Superman films got. He still gave it his all. He never just called the performance in. Christopher yes. Reeve. No, no, yeah, Christopher he... Reeve always tried. 
He's he's amazing in all of them. Did he do? Did he suck? Do like try to fund Superman Four or something like? Yeah, you Superman know? Four yes. was all him. That's why they got. That's how they got Hackman back and Kid and Kidder. Yeah, involved. It was it was, it was the the Reeve Kickstarter campaign took off. Is that? Yeah, like and, that. and the salt the salt kinds were no longer involved after Supergirl. <laughs> that's where they drew the line. <laughs> You it's must. It's amazing. It, leave. I just bought it yesterday. It's on Amazon. Jordan, Jordan. It's a movie. That's for sure. It is bug nuts crazy. There's also three different versions of it. There's the 90-minute theatrical U.S. cut. There's like a 126-minute director's cut. And then there's like a 138-minute European cut. Yep. So uh, you have options. Just can't get enough. That's what they were saying about Supergirl. Exactly. See, this was the compromise they had. Gene Hackman did not want to be bald in this movie. So what they agreed on was that he would wear a different wig in every scene, and it'd be very clear that they were all wigs. Also, although Richard Donner and Gene Hackman are not happy <laughs> for each other, they show very few signs of affection. Crossover! Crossover! <laughs> Call back to our Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift commentary. Take a listen. <laughs> Uh, I like the um, the AHA special effects on Marlon Brando's face right now. It predates AHA. Yeah. They had they had Jor-El effects. Oh yeah, take me on. Oh look at that that squint. It's the Brando touch. But yeah, I mean, even like Superman three is a good example of Christopher Reeve doing far better work than everybody else in the movie. Like he has to play not because Clark Kent is Superman, he plays fucking Bizarro Superman too, yes. and it's 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 an actual performance. Like he's trying, he makes his. Well, like, he was he was proud of himself. Yeah. He was proud of his performance in that movie. I would be too. He wasn't happy with the film itself, and even during production, but he was happy with his performance. I mean, well that. He was at that time. I mean, would you say there was another ac- actor that was playing a, a key iconic character during the time of Superman? Besides, maybe what Roger Moore as Bond. Like, who else around was like a a movie star known for playing some guy? Uh, I'd want to say Harrison Ford, but you can't. I yeah, okay, that's all right. That's all right. I mean, Harrison Ford between Han Solo and Indiana Jones, I guess that's. Yeah. Um. No, they're really, other than that, I can't think of. I mean, Planet, Planet of the Apes wrapped up, so you can't just go with the Roddy McDowell card anymore. Yeah. Right, Planet, by the way, Planet of the Apes, that was the only, that was the huge franchise of that day before Star Wars came out. Like, that was. Yes. Pond. Like, I mean, Planet of the Apes is where it was at. Cartoons, movies, TV. TV show. I mean, the Godfather cartoon series never took off, so. <laughs> well, they're like a leather face mask, Fredo, mask but they didn't get him. Yeah, this looks like the set of Texas Chainsaw Massacre like Part a... Two. <laughs> also, O's on screen, so I might add. Bump a doop, bump, bump, bump. Well, Mr. Luthor. Bump a doop, bump a doop. Apparently, I've been watching the theatrical cut for the last hour. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh. Because no. <laughs> I made a reference to a scene that's just now coming to you guys. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I thought this one was the director's cut, and I was incorrect. This so, uh, 
Miss uh, Miss Tessmacher, by the way. Miss, Miss Tessmacher, uh, super super annoying. Also super hot. <laughs> she never H A W T. She never did anything for me. Uh, what's your time You're, mark, by the way? We are at an, an hour twenty four minutes. Eight seconds, nine seconds, ten, eleven. I'll catch up to you in just a second. Thank you. You were looking above the shoulder, Scott. <laughs> I, <laughs> I generally do. Look, Ma, no wires. Yeah, I'm caught up. <sighs> you were watching good old Perry. Hey, wonders. I like Look, Ma, no wires best. It's a good headline. Shut up, Kent. Why <laughs> <laughs> don't go clean your glasses again? Jimmy Let's go punch. type something, nerd. Jimmy punches him in the stomach. <laughs> Jimmy. Jimmy also. Go some balls, Kent. Marco Kidder, where I live. Marco Kidder just got back from her like circus training class, by the way. <laughs> Tonight like, at 8, you're playing. Tonight Hopefully. <laughs> Yeah. Wear the pink underwear. <laughs> so, so going to Superman Returns. Um, Don't. Does Lois, Lois think Superman yeah. raped her based yes. on that continuity? Yes. Does what? Sorry. Does Lois think Superman raped her based on that continuity? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, it's a very, very hazy line of what Brian Singer was trying to accomplish by making it an unofficial. I must keep continuity with two. Even the kiss. How does that work? I mean, the idea is that Superman Returns takes place after the events of two. Yes. At the end of two, it's five years after two. Five well, years. Well, let's let's look over the technology aspect. Let's just look at the, thematically, and like I, in, I in terms of it go, in terms of the still... oh, go ahead. In terms of the story being told, Superman has erased Lois's mind of Clark Kent being Superman. But she's left with this lingering. Well, I mean, she could she could have she could she could think that Superman hooked up with her, but not have the recollection of who Superman actually is. But but no, because she she knew who he was when they hooked up. She does. She was taken to the Fortress of Solitude. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, you can kiss her all you want, but I don't think that's going to take away the memory of Superman's powers. You doing things to you in bed. I don't think that memory goes away of the super pounding you get between the sheets. <laughs> Did you not watch Mall Rats? Exactly. I'm surprised that she's still alive. Man of yes, Steel will exactly. next. I'm, I'm surprised that she was able to have a child. Um, right. God, who was the guy? Larry Niven, I think, wrote an essay about that in 1971. Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. Now, if you want to, if you want to get really specific, though, I mean, after when Superman Returns starts. All we know is that Superman left at some point five years earlier. There could have been yeah. some crazy one night stand that happened between Superman and Lois Lane, and then he left. Like if well, you no, like, wait, wait, wait. It if was, you, oh, if, hold on. What? It was after. It was because of the Kryptonians that he left to make sure there was no one else in the galaxy, and that Krypton. Yeah, was so you know, he goes, he goes, he goes to Lois's place on a you know Friday night. He's like, look, Lois, I'm about to leave. I don't know how long it's going to be. Probably like a week. Obviously, it's longer than that. And so it's like you know. We like each other, maybe. And then, like the next day, he leaves. And, you know, I mean, he never called. Superman returns, fans. Thank you for defending it. <laughs> I don't I like, know. I like this elegant dinner set that Superman and Lois have set up on, the, in Lois's very fancy apartment. I'll check the note seriously. I guess it's a loft. It's not really. A, it's 
She does make a lot for a newspaper reporter. I think we gotta do an audit. <laughs> She's on the take. <laughs> <laughs> I like the I like the way he answers all these questions. It's very over twenty one. Yeah, it's it it's it's just fun. It's just fun watching Christopher Reed play this part. Oh yes, Lois. I can have sex. <laughs> Lois is pretty looking good, Lois, by the way. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the can you read my mind scene in a second. Can you read my mind? She's, she's, she's looking pretty good in this scene. He's getting lost in the Reeves. No, but he's, he's you know, regardless of yay Superman, he's an incredibly handsome man. Yes. I mean he if he wasn't Superman, he would basically be, you know, the Don Draper of nineteen seventy eight. Oh yeah. No, I the second I started watching Batman, I was like, Why yeah. well, who's on the phone? Who's on the phone getting John Hamm <laughs> play Superman right now? Like that's, yeah, exactly. that's the only thought I had on my mind. Because I, I I started Mad Men late. I started it like three years down the road. I was like, Oh jeez. Why are we what who's not calling John Hamm right now? That's the only reaction I had every time I was watching. I, I saw it relatively between season one and season two, I watched season one. And my first thought was, Ooh, Steve Rogers, right there. Uh but didn't happen. That's fair too, but I mean and I was only somewhat familiar with John Hamm to be in general yeah. before I started watching Batman three years. Oh yeah. So Nobody knew who he was before that. But I mean but I mean I I saw him at like Thirty Rock and I was like, okay, there's oh. that Ham guy that I know is on that show that's popular. There he is hosting <laughs> Saturday Night Live. Uh, okay, then I started watching Mad Men. It's like, why, why, what, why is, where's the call here? Like, is <laughs> how has this uh, not happened yet? Like, it's just, it just perplexed me. Well, that's the unfortunate, you know, quote unquote obsession with youth is he should, you know, he would be a great Superman, but he's also late thirties, early forties. Um, you know, he didn't get discovered till very, very late comparatively. And the funny thing is, and this is weird, is. She, I don't know the exact ages. She wasn't that much older in this film than Kate Bosworth was in Superman Returns. Yet she looks like an adult. Kate Bosworth looks like a teenager. Really? Yeah, teenager. It's all the smoking yeah. and drinking. And I think it's, you know, it's it's the meth, Abe. The meth. Well, no, it's there's something about the generation <laughs> of actresses. It is. They look virtually right. childish. Yep. It you is. Know, another obvious example, you know, Kim Basinger is wasn't that much older than Katie Holmes in their respective Batman films. But one looked like an adult, and one looked like Katie Holmes. Well, it's, also, I mean, it's easiest to go back to you, you go back to like you go back to like noir films, and like Lauren yeah. Bacall does not look twenty one, and yeah. like she, she doesn't look nineteen, and big yeah. sleep like she looks like she's like thirty one years old, and like yeah. you know, looking to get into some trouble. Like, uh oh. Um, and even he doesn't. You know, he still looks. You know, he's what twenty five, twenty six when he made this. He looks like an adult. He does not look like Superboy. Pardon the expression. 26? I'm guessing. I don't know exactly how old he was when he did this. Um, but he was not particularly old. Um, and that's one of the things that I like about, you know, in theory about Man of Steel is that, you know, Henry Cavall, if he's not 30, okay. he's almost 30. I'm back. I missed some stuff. It's all right. Superman died. Yeah. Oh. Um, Kryptonite. And Amy Adams is actually older than him, which is as it should be for that particular character. Amy Adams looks like, I mean, she looks like a grown up. She looks like a grown up, yeah. yes. 
I um, I could give or take Lois Lane, but at the same time, Lawrence Fishburne's not exactly you know, hey, this is the Perry. He's too black for Perry White. Like that's not that <laughs> argument. But I mean, that I can I can see what they're going for with those casting choices, right? And looking beyond just you know, yeah, blah, 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 hair color, skin color. Like it's just that's nonsense talk. I can see why you cast. I mean, if we went by we by skin color, every comic book character would be white. Yeah. Especially Blade. Yeah. <laughs> Albino. You don't remember White Blade? <laughs> uh, now, I'm going to be it the can't... minority of one that has no problem whatsoever with the Do You Read My Mind bit. I don't have a problem. It's I don't, silly, I don't, I don't have but a it works. Yeah. It's better than their original plan to have her sing it. That is true. I like this scene of a woman in the air more than I like Trinity in the first Matrix movie. Uh, it's the first scene of the Matrix where she jumps through the air, and it's like, oh, right, 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 this, right, ne- yeah. this never looked good. That's the only reaction I always have. Yeah, <laughs> this, this, uh, this, uh, it's strengthened by the score. Oh yeah, yeah, so I, I can forgive the. Can you read my mind? That whole thing. Um, I mean, she is a writer. I'll, I'll I, I'm interested to see what the Man of Steel does with this. Uh, see if Amy Adams can pull it off better. It looks like she's just going to be, like, monologuing while Superman's bearding it around the North Pole. (laughs) (laughs) And Metropolis now has the Statue of Liberty. Always bugged me. Always bugged me. Uh, To be fair, they could have flown. Yeah, they actually flew, like, 3,000 miles. It could have flown somewhere else. It's it's Metropolis. It it also has the World Trade Center buildings. Yes, it also has the Twin Towers. Well, the the Statue of Liberty is on the poster for Supergirl. Yeah, because, you know... It's, it's a and she never even goes there. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> but, 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 you know... Fair, but Steve, Jason... Car- Steve Carell never never puts his face in pancakes in Dan in real life. But... And did Jason really take Manhattan? Did he really take Manhattan? He took Ottawa. You didn't see... The, there was a lot of deleted scenes where he went to Wall Street and, like, bought a lot of stock. Yeah. Yes, I made a Dan in real life reference, by the way. <laughs> yes, you did. I'm, I'm impressed. Yes. <laughs> My my roommate in college, we saw that movie, and he was like really upset that there was no pivotal pancake in the face scene of Steve Carell. In that movie. I I love that for no just for you know he drops her like in the middle of this. Yeah, why not? Uh, it's it's funny. It's it's realistic. It adds a certain realism to what should be you know to what is obviously a fantastical sequence. Hey, he screws up. He drops her. Whoops. I like um, Chronicles' take on this scene. Yes. Let's play football. Oh, look, it's, it's a plane. <laughs> Where's Wallace? Um, Where's Wallace? Uh, See, like, does I'm he a, drop her? Or I'm, does she I'm, just, I'm on like, the edge of my seat watching this now. <laughs> yeah, how old is Margot Kidder? In this movie? She's In this? Yeah. yeah. Not terribly old. Let me see. I mean, she did Black Christmas in, what, 73, 74? So she's she did, been She really did Sisters young. in 73. Or was that Karen Allen? I can't I remember. I think it's Karen Allen. Karen Allen. Yeah. I sadly get them confused sometimes. Karen Allen. That, yeah. She's that's... always just a little hottie. Let's see. 78, Mark Kidder, 48. So she's 30. I mean, 30, okay. She's 30. Okay, let's see. I... If she was any younger than I guess that, she looked film, it. I mean, it looked came out in 78, so it's filmed in, what, 76? So like yeah. yeah. And this looks completely real, all the flying effects. 
Yeah, so Christopher Reeve's a couple years younger, so he's yeah, he's 20, yeah. 25, 26 filming this. Oh, cricket in somebody's room. What is that? Oh, that's not your tarantula? No, my tarantula doesn't make cricket noises. It kills I know what you mean. Silence. No, I'm not in my room where I have... For list, listeners of this show, I have a tarantula, and I feed my tarantula crickets. And generally, when you hear crickets in the background, it's because I just fed my tarantula. I'm not sitting in that room, however. Ah. Not me. You sure? Yes. Okay. Hi, Jordan. Hello. Do you have any thoughts on Margot Kidder's Can You Read My Mind scene? I love it. As good as the movie. Brilliant. No, um, doesn't bother me. It's charming. What else did Margot Kidder do besides be crazy? Uh, Amityville Horror. Amityville Horror, right? Lots of people. Third Dark from the Sun. She did Smallville. Yes. She did Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. In which Margot Kidder plays a psychiatrist. Oh, that's right. Oh. Mind blown. Which Superman movie was she not, like, in, in? Three. Three. Three is the one. She went to the Bahamas. Yeah, to, wear, to, to take a, a breather from all that super boning she did in the previous movie. I get it. Like... But she doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't remember. She, yeah, remember, she... She, she, she feels the lumps in her womb. Yeah, she was on maternity <laughs> leave in part... Is that too much? <laughs> she uh, she claims that it was her punishment for being loyal to Richard Donner was that they cut her part down, and then the Salkine said that they felt like the Clark Lois love story was pretty much exhausted well, yeah, for the time being. <laughs> Which, uh, uh, to be honest, why would you go back through all that when you just wiped out everything in the previous film? If you think about it. Now I do not like how this scene ends. With base, I mean, it, I frankly I do not buy the idea that she would go on a date with Clark Kent at this point in time in their relationship. You know, they barely know each other. They're coworkers. She obviously has no interest in whatsoever. They might to know each other. Do we? He says date, but she might just be going to the eh, whatever, Clark. Let's just go get a drink. That could be true. Yeah, she's a lush. Kind of look like Superman. I guess I'll just envision him while we're sleeping together. Well, he almost tells her right here and now. <laughs> but this is, yeah, this is a great moment. I love when he does. Was that a wonder? It wasn't a wonder, was it? <laughs> it cut, right? She didn't, she didn't walk from her back balcony to the front door, right? <laughs> he just asked her if she's been smoking marijuana. <laughs> yep. She was in a movie in 2004 called Chicks with Sticks. I'm sure it was great. Oh, about about women's field hockey? I've heard of the pornographic <laughs> version of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for the Yeah. I'm I'm watching his Wallace transformation. Sean. Yeah, I love that. That's It it really is a physical transformation. Yeah. And you see so many hero. I mean, nowadays you honestly don't you don't see that tra- you don't see that transition at all. Most of the heroes are the people they are. Captain yeah. America's Captain America, Thor's Thor, Bruce Banner is Bruce Banner. Like they, I mean, he obviously metamorphosized into a CG creation there. But I mean, they don't. They're not hiding their identities. They're not playing. Yeah. They're not yeah. playing up an alternate persona. Besides Bruce Wayne, I mean, yeah, it's you don't see that very often now. Tony Stark's Tony Stark. Like, 
That's the difference between Marvel and DC. DC, they're all about concealing their secret identities. In Marvel, they're pretty much out in the open. But a person like Thor, what, what's he going to hide? Didn't he pretend to be Donald Blake when he was on Earth in certain yeah, comics, stories? Comics. I, mean, I don't yeah. know. But. That and, like, yeah, Iron Man, you know, he was for a little bit. Not very long. He was like, hey, you're part bodyguard. Yeah. I mean, Peter Parker. But, I mean, even then, Peter Parker doesn't really act differently in the Spider-Man costume. Besides no. showing off the fact that he is Spider-Man. Um, you're right. Other than, you know, Bruce Wayne, obviously, is a different person when he's Bruce Wayne than when he's Batman. Um and I think, again, one of the changes in the post-crisis comics, especially when compared to this, was that there really was an effort to make Clark Kent more of the quote-unquote real person, where he wasn't playing the bubbling fool all the time. Well, I, I remember watching Lois and Clark, and I was somewhat shocked to see Clark Kent as a, you know, as a three-dimensional go-getting reporter that didn't take any grief, et cetera, et cetera. No, I think um, they, had, they had to do that just because that was a shit yes. that was going to have yeah. multiple seasons and arcs. Exactly. But I, but I see what you're saying, yes. Yeah. Um, well, they wanted him to be David Addison Light. That's Yeah, what it, they was, were it was yeah, Moonlighting with Superman, which is a very clever conceit. I, that show's not oh, yeah. I wouldn't say that show's great, but I mean, that show, for what it is, I think it's pretty good. Oh, the I think the first season, season is, is awesome. Yeah. The first season is awesome. Uh, it gets progressively worse after that. Although I admire some of the things they try, the stories they try to tell in three and four, once she knows who he is and et cetera, et cetera, the, 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 it, d- it doesn't work. It's not nearly as good. That show um, is notable because it, it has my favorite Lois Lane. Yes. All times. Well, again, that's... I mean, you have a lot to work with. You have, like, you have a character that has a chance to grow. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I mean, I could, I could, I could call my, I could call Kevin Conroy my favorite Batman of all the time because I just, you know, I've seen it, I've got to watch him over. Well, yeah, but it, I mean, we have Margot Kiddo for four, for four movies and almost a decade's worth. True. Time. Oh. We had Kate Bosworth for one nice oh, hot boy. summer. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> Why is there a picture of Meteor Man on the screen right now? <laughs> that's um. my, that's my Robert Townsend joke of the day. Yes. God, remember when comic book movies were like that? Yeah. Yep. You know, Spawn and uh, Steel and Meteor Phantom. Man, and Handyman, or whatever that. The Blank, Blank Man. Man. Blank Man. Blank Man. Candyman. Yeah, big candy. Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> Candyman was the one in living color. Oh my god. Where he was a mentally, mentally retarded superhero. I love the I love the the antihero that was Candyman. <laughs> Candyman. He didn't save anybody. <laughs> he saved them for last. <laughs> you know, for all the serious roles that Gene Hackman did in the '70s, the guy had a great sense of humor. He's popping up here. He's popping up in Young Frankenstein. Like he liked comedy. Oh yeah, he was great in the Birdcage. The bird... <laughs> um. God, Gene Hackman's so good. At and this. he's funny here. He is. I'm a... He's a good. But... Again, I, I think it's a balancing act. I don't, frankly, I don't think he gets enough credit in this day and age that he exists in a funny world while still being relatively menacing Lex Luthor. Now, part of that is simply that the film allows him to both kill a couple people and threaten to kill many people. So the camp is somewhat balanced out by the fact that he really is a threat. Um, 
you know, versus something like, you know, the obviously the, you know, the, the 60s car, the 60s television series where the villains were campy, but they really aren't were dangerous either. They weren't going to hurt anybody. I love his, his wig in this scene where he's the blonde wig. Oh, yeah. It's the funniest one. Um, I like how that's allowed to look like a stunt car crash because there was actually nobody driving the car. That was the idea. They can get away with just having some random car crash and have it not look completely real. And, you know, the plot of this film, his scheme, is a great villain scheme. It makes sense. It is, you know, if it works, it will work. And, you know, it really is one of the great creative supervillain schemes in one of these kind of movies. Um, yeah. But it, it, but Superman Returns proved that at first you don't succeed, try, try again. That's not the best kind of policy. For these well, in, yes and no. For In terms of a film, yeah, that's horrible. It's having to do the same, do the same, same thing over. Is that Larry Hagman? Hagman from, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. He, recently late Larry Hagman. Um, huh. Old school but, reference. Um, sorry, I had a thought, but I lost it. Oh, no, yes, there, the are plots, number, the there are any number of times, you know, you watch something like a cartoon like Ninja Turtles or just or Super Friends or whatever, where their, their evil plot almost works, if not for some random variable that they couldn't have predicted. So my thought is, why don't you just do that plot again? It almost worked the first time. Go for it again. Yeah, but it, come on. In this movie, like, it would it would work. Like, I can see what yes. he's doing. In the second movie, he's creating a fucking continent. Now it's like, correct. who's... Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that's not... Oh, a, I absolutely agree with you. A plan. In the film, it doesn't work. Because, again, you know, there's a difference between getting one film every X number of years versus a daily cartoon show. Yeah. You know, I, I will reluctantly defend some of the, you know the last two Shrek sequels to a certain extent, but I don't like about the fourth one is that it does the whole, you know, sh- alternate universe Shrek. You could do that in a weekly, tele- you know, a daily television show, but in a one movie every four, three years, you just spent a whole movie not advancing the continuity at all. Slight digression. Anyway. You're also, um, you know, not funny. That's the other problem with that movie, but yeah, yes. I know what you're saying. Um... Uh, I'm pretty sure when Otis was like trumbling down the hill just then with the stuff in his hand, he was like, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> One can only hope. By the way, although Otis and Lex Luthor are meant to have feelings for each other, they show very few signs of affection. <laughs> oh. oh, Lucas Blake. Uh, so this means Lucas Bax actually could be in the seventh one? What else is he got? I hope so. Unless they signed him up to play Khan in the next Star Trek movie, I'm pretty sure he's open. (laughs) I hope Benicio del Toro plays Khan in Guardians of the Galaxy. That would be awesome. I like how Gene Hackman's dressed as JR in this scene. Yes. (laughs) Just to get that Larry Hagman callback going. Oh, no. And I kind of like, you know, it's, it's. a quirky little touch that they screw up the first time and have to do it twice. That's the, a weird human touch that you don't usually see in movies like this. Uh, oh, it's it's bumbling Otis. Well, they certainly were prepared for Plan B. Yeah, they were. I mean, Ta- Miss Taskmaster did a to did, did, did a ton of chin ups to prepare for this part of the plan. Is that part what in the, hell is Spanky yeah, doing the there? cut with them messing up and going back again, or is that just uh, the director's cut? That's the theatrical cut too. Oh, okay. 
I like that, by the way, Otis has been abused because he has a black eye. <laughs> like, <laughs> they did not let this pass. <laughs> it's a very abusive race, uh, relationship. Because they show a few signs of affection. On screen. Did someone crawl in there just now? That's what that guy did. Oh, there's yeah, Hal. The same guy from before. There's the Hal cameo. <laughs> Hal 9000. And this is where the Transformers land on Hover, the the, the um, Hoover Dam. Starscream has oh, a lot of... Jimmy Olsen, wow, hello. You just want to get shots of that dam. What was the purpose of Lois going on for this story again? She's trying to build her own casino somewhere. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> it happened well, no. to be out in It was... It was just a you know investigative thing. Like this guy's buying up a bunch of worthless land. That's interesting. I guess there wasn't anything better to cover that day. Apparently not. not oh, wait, it's it's wait. not like she had a date with Superman the night before. Yeah. <laughs> Crickets. Yep. What a diverse news office. It's not really blocking it. <laughs> We're just watching the movie. Um. <laughs> I like how this scene, in the midst of what's basically a character moment between the two of them, basically spells out Lex Luthor's entire plan. Here's what, you know... Here's his land buy. Here's how I got the kryptonite. You know, here's what's gonna here's what's gonna happen. That's that Mario Puzo magic right there. That's what exactly. That that's the Tom Mankiewicz magic. Yeah, that too. It's all Mankiewicz, man. It's all Mankiewicz. All right. Maybe Perry ended the scene originally by saying, "Leave the or take the cannoli." <laughs> <laughs> Didn't uh, Puzo's script have um, Telly Savalas in it? Yes. As as Jimmy Olsen. No, as as Kojak. In character. I'm sorry, yeah. what? Yes. He, he would just stop by, like, hey, Clark, yeah, love Superman, you, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was very, again, you know, I I, I harp on Mankiewicz, because him and Donner are really the people that made this movie even remotely good. Yeah. Yeah, Puzo's is more 60s Batman. Yeah. Um. And what's ironic is, of course, then Mankiewicz went on to write a Batman script that was very similar in tone, somewhat similar in tone to this, uh, while also being more or less a straight adaptation in the 1970s comics, um, which I would love to see produced in some form. Never going to happen, but even, like, it's one of the animated movies. Um, it's a fascinating read if you ever get a, if you ever track it down online. Um, God, you really got to wait a long time if they're going to be like, you know what, let's make Batman 70s style. <laughs> You know, I would like to see one day, you know, a live-action Batman with the blue and gray. Even the cartoons never did that, really. Uh, they did. Like the uh, like the older ones. But... No, but I mean, even the animated series, he technically was blue and gray. Yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, it, it, I mean, it was shrouded in darkness. It didn't feel, yeah, it was shrouded yeah. in darkness, and it didn't feel like that. It didn't have yeah. that tone. Um. Uh, but no, I mean, it, it's. Obviously, the, the animated series took, you know, bits and pieces from this and that, but it was very much the Cape Crusader concept from the 70s, 
where he was dark, he was brooding. The villains were scary, but they didn't kill so many people that no one would want to live in Gotham City. Um, I mean, I, I, I get that it, yeah. it's certainly taken from that 70s period. Yeah. I, think it, I think Batman the Animated Series falls into its own era of Batman, I think. Yes, yeah, well, that's what yeah. it became by virtue of its, its you know, uh, legacy. Yeah. Well, it, it, it started out as a, you know, a, uh, extension of the Burton movies, though. Yeah. It, um, that was how it got greenlit, but there was there was always an attempt to sort of avoid direct, you know, knocks other than, you know, yeah. making... Other than making Catwoman and Penguin look like the Burton versions, that was really the main concession. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, the, the intro and everything suggests yes, that. Yes, with the music as well. The music um, and... And this is the big scene from the director's cut that we had heard about for years, just because, you know, everybody knew about it. But no one actually got to see it until this was released on DVD in 2000. Is there anything to why there why there's a director's cut versus a theatrical cut, or is it just pacing? Pacing. Like, it wasn't like studios arguing with Donner's, like, no, you no. gotta take this out. Yeah. Like, it was no, just more of Frankly, all of the direct, you know, I personally prefer the theatrical cut, just because most of the additions don't add much. This is a silly sequence. You know, he already knows what all of his powers are. There's really no reason for him to do this. The gauntlet. I mean, it's not like he's gonna kill him by accident. Um, and if you listen to the commentary, Mankiewicz and Donner, Mankiewicz basically tells him this scene's dumb, you should have kept this out. Um,. And obviously the Lois Lane scene that I whined about earlier. Um, and the silly scene where he basically hugs the ghost of his father. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is this fun? Yeah. But for me, the fun of it was finally seeing it after all these years. Not because it actually really belonged to the movie. I like Christopher Reeves kind of like, fuck this, come on. Let's yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, so, he's so like, what's going on, guys? What are, what are we doing here? Is this amateur hour? Also, that looks good. Like you can't do that. That's a good-looking scene. Oh yeah. Oh, it is. I mean, it's not for for having the obstacle of how do you make a man look like he's walking through fire with ease. I think they did a pretty damn good job of that. By the way, I I, I am digging Luther's suit. Yeah, I like the cravat. Love it. it really adds to the whole. Like it it brings it all together. I say. Yeah, I mean this—it's uh, all fan service. Ooh, look at Superman's powers. It's more for the audience. To it's see not him showing like powers that much. It's just him like yep, resilience. I'm yeah. His resilience, yeah. Like it's not like he's like busting out the laser beam eyes or anything. It's just kind of like yep, I do this. I can walk through bullets. I can walk through fire. Good, nice try freezing me. I think he's coming this way, Mister Luthor. Bum, 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 bum. Mr. Luthor! And of course, in the theatrical cut, he's just saying that while he's tunneling into the earth. Yeah. And quite frankly, I love the chit-chatting scenes between the two of them in all of the films, even, even four. It's ridiculous, it's silly, it's, it's cheesy, whatever. But I do love the scenes of the two of them just chit-chat for a while. And that is something that I always look forward to in a good comic book film. And even bad ones, like The Shadow. You know, same hey, hey, Shadow. Hey, hey, hey. I love 
the two scenes where Alec Baldwin and John Lone just, you know, talk smack with each other for about five minutes. Yeah, you know I'm going to stop you. That's yeah, I love that line. But that said, Shadow is awesome. Come on, Scott. We, <laughs> Tim Curry in the Shadow. <laughs> well, Tim Curry, anything is pretty cool. Ian, Ian McKellen just cutting whatever wire. That's pretty. It's probably always it's always, <laughs> it's always green. So <laughs> I hit the green wire. <laughs> now that that film has grown on me. I still prefer the Phantom. I vastly prefer the Phantom. I would say the Phantom's okay. better, and I would say Dick yeah. Tracy owns all of them. But I mean, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it. it you, you know I love that just that 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 retro superhero era yes. of, of the early nineties. <laughs> yeah. Um Rocketeer also, of course. Um, the Rocka Who? <laughs> Mystery Man. That's that's not technically there, but it's dark. That was that was sadly ahead of its time. Yep. Yep. It's weird, you know, right before the second big superhero comic book film era, we got two, you know, we got a pure satire, uh, Mystery Men, and we got a deconstruction, Unbreakable. Yes. It was like, isn't this stuff that comes, like, after, not before? What's Blade fit as? Blade was, you know, It's a standard action movie that just happens to have a Marvel background. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was sort of the prelude to to X-Men and Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, it's also a good vampire movie. Like, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good action picture. Yeah, um, it's kind of like the the feeler to see if these would make money. Yeah. Um, I remember because it, it came out the weekend after the Avengers, and it was just such a relief to see a movie that actually just did its job, so to speak. Remember when the Avengers bombed at the box office? Man. <laughs> good thing that good thing that never happens again. <laughs> yeah. But Uma Thurman made a great Black yeah. Widow. Yeah. <laughs> I like that we're watching the Back to the Future 2 scene right now. Lex Luthor draws on a map what's going on. Otisburg. Come on, man. Let him have Otisburg. He's helping you along in this evil plan. If he could write his S's correctly, I'd I, give Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I, like, there shouldn't be anything funny about, like, Lex Luthor, like, doing that thing where you do, like, a double take because you accidentally read something wrong, even though you know it's clearly not something you wrote to begin with. But it's, yeah. it's still somehow funny to me. Like, he's just casually reading these things that he knows he's, he's planned for months, and he just accidentally reads Otisburg because that would happen. <laughs> <laughs> Otisburg, yeah, that sounds... Wait a minute, hold on a second. Otisburg. Otisburg. Hands on the hips. I didn't write Otisburg. <laughs> hey, Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy! He really has no reason to be here other than to briefly be in peril. Yeah. Pretty much. That's, that's pretty much what Jimmy Olsen is in the entire series, is yeah. there to be in peril. Does he have anything to do in part two? I don't even remember any of his scenes. No, walks, I think it's all walks, just... He walks through the office at one point, and then he walks <laughs> the other direction. That's I mean, all Daily Planet stuff, which means nothing. Yeah, I mean, he is in direct peril in Superman 3, and what I would argue is the one great sequence of that film. Um, he's in peril in Supergirl, too. Just yeah. In that giant ball cage thing. Oh, that's right. For protesting. I'm pretty sure in Superman 4 he says, hi, Clark. Oh. Character <laughs> development. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can't wait to watch 
What do you think of the costume in this movie? His costume? Yeah. It looks perfect. It's it's Superman. Uh, I will miss the red pants. Um, I'm curious to see how that plays out next week because I think that's a big part of the costume. It's it's a balance issue. Um. I mean, no, I, I, even, I think it's a. No, go ahead. Even I mean, given the what they're trying to do with the Man of Steel, I mean, given what I've seen in the previews, I could see why they're going that way with the costume. Just in terms of like, it's like a because it's not a S and it's a suit. Like it's just there. I guess you wouldn't you wouldn't have that extra. And even on Krypton, it's not like they you know had giant black underwear outside their super fancy white costumes. I, eh. Yeah, he's wearing a super thong. <laughs> he's got his super super socks stuffed in the front. I like his super utility belt that he wears. Now, see, in my situation, like, oh no, Kryptonite, close the box. <laughs> Close the box. I t- I t- or fly away. <laughs> I do like his last second look to Luthor before he told before he like opens. It's like what do you have, what could you have in this box? Yeah, I don't think he can close the box. I think it's too well, he, late once it's He open. certainly knows how to back up. I do like that it's basically science that ruins Superman. Yes. It's, well, it's, that, it's, it's science that makes Superman and science that ruins Superman. Because we're at a different because he's on a different planet, the sun's different. And in fact, it makes him powerful. Because the because the planet tra- traveled through space and a piece of it landed here, it's radioactive, so it kills it. Like it's it's interesting. Those are the things that, that do him in. Well that was always the, the if it's the right word, dichotomy between Superman and Luther, is you had the most powerful man on Earth brought down by just a guy in a suit you know depending on which era we're talking either you know a, a mad scientist or just a rich guy in a suit with unlimited resources um and that was why i think the problem with making okay first of all okay you could tell she's obviously distraught about her mother tell her to call her mother and tell her to leave Hackensack, new jersey before the missile comes problem solved but anyway um but, you know, I think that was one of the problems with making villains for Superman is you either make them, you know, monosyllabic, you know, He-Man, like someone like Doomsday or something, or you have to make them these, you know, mad scientist sorts that, you know, it, it's Luthor sort of is all things in one because other than strength, he can challenge all of Superman's weaknesses pretty well. There's almost no need for anyone else. Other than the occasional physical challenge, which is represented by, you know, Zod or Doomsday or whatever. Which comes as to why I don't really like Superman that much in general yeah. as, as a character compared to other superheroes. Um, but, yeah, and generally speaking, most heroes get the kind of villains that, you know, Batman is psychologically screwed up. He deals with normal people who are psychologically screwed up that dress up in Halloween costumes. Flash, you know, is screwed over by science. He deals, you know, you know a normal guy, a blue-collar guy who, you know, had a science experiment gone awry or whatever happened to him. So he deals with characters that use science to evil ends. Spider-Man 
is a guy that got you know genetically altered by a scientific experiment. He deals with villains that got genetically altered by a scientific experiment. And I, I and I like how Raimi, for what it's worth, regardless of your thoughts on any of the three movies, he tried to tie it into the character of Spider-Man each time yes. out too. Yeah. Um, to what that to what Peter Parker was going through at that stage of his life. Um, which is what you could, which is what you, which is which revelation which is what, of Sandman killing Uncle Ben. Yeah, but from a thematic standpoint, I could see what he's going for. And I mean, the same thing we said about uh, Batman as well. Um, and that's one of the things I like about the, the Raimi Spider-Man films and the first four Batman films, say what you will about the Schumacher ones, is you got to see the comic book characters that you know and love on screen basically looking like they're comic book characters. You know, compared to something like X-Men, and obviously I, I adore the first two X-Men films, but it's not the characters as you know, it's the characters dressed up in black leather. Or Magneto is just Ian McKellen in a suit who occasionally puts on a helmet. You know, there is a, lo- a certain visual loss, while versus, you know, in Batman Forever, it's the Riddler. He looks like the Riddler. It's Two-Face. He looks like Two-Face. I mean, it's Two-Face. I mean, the first X-Men, I mean, besides the fact that they're wearing black um, leather unitards or whatever you want to call them i, I think they did a did a pretty that, solid job of representing those characters in a realistic environment like even magneto, magneto looked pretty, magneto good, looked pretty good yeah he's not it's not Professor as x man it's Ooh. not as, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did they find some bald guy to play him like that but like magneto i mean he's it's certainly not as ostentatious as the magneto of the most extreme version of his character in the comic book but i mean they did a good job of presenting him as magneto like you you look at i feel visually he doesn't look particularly, cool, you know, quote unquote, cool while in costume. Really, I think obviously it's a good performance, but I'm, you know, it's it's still at the end of the day, you know, Ian McKellen, you know, occasionally wearing a cape. I don't. I mean, the uh, the, the opposite extreme of that is Michael Fassbender at the end of Last Stand, which I think looks or last, uh, First Class, which I think looks yes. terrible. Like I think that's terrible uh-huh. the way they try putting a giant hood ornament on his helmet and be like, "This yeah. is Magneto now." Like that's. Well, then, um, but you also have like like Nightcrawler. Yes. You're yeah, right. Uh, juggernaut. Um, um, I think as the as the series went on, there's a little bit more of that. You're right. Um, Sabretooth wasn't. Well, like Sabretooth. I don't know. It's like a wolf, like a Wolverine. Just, like it's just him wearing yeah. a big black. Well, I, I was talking about the Tyler Main rendition. But even then, well, I didn't even think that was. I mean, if I recall, Sabretooth in the comics is like a giant werewolf or something, <laughs> basically. Yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. Not much left of the imagination with Sabretooth's costume. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. I'm not trashing the films, but I do think there's something to be said of the appeal of seeing Sandman, who looks exactly like Sandman from the comic book. That's neat. Or yeah. Venom. Yeah. Hey, look, that is Venom. And I, think cool. it, I think it comes down to the sensibilities of the directors who are handling that material. Yeah. I think Raimi knows what kind of movies he was making with those Spider-Man movies where he can balance the drama with the inherent comic book nature of those films. Tune in, tune in for our, our, like... our tune in for our X Men commentary around July when we when we talk about Wolverine, I guess. But let's get back to Superman <laughs> as he as he stops the first missile from you know nuking a town in Hackensack, New Jersey. The Death Star is within. There is a good amount of drama in all this, and how Superman's, you know, being forced to deal with not one but two missiles traveling well, it, to opposite ends of the United States. It's also quite surprising because he fails. Yeah. 
This movie, this well, movie takes a lot of like. This movie takes good chances with what it's trying to do. Um, and even you know, spend the next what fifteen minutes watching him, you know, undo, you know, again, incredibly expensive disasters. I mean, this kind of scale, you just didn't see this back then all, all that often, if at all. Um, I mean, beside an adventure, Gene Hackman gets turned upside down on a boat, but that's true. Um, and, and then dies. Spoiler. Yeah, you're right. You're right in that this film does feel like, you know, at least the third act anyway, feels like a disaster film. Yeah. You know, the Irvin Allen, you know, all-star or whatever. Um, the, the only qualm, I, lack of seeing an effect on mass population. Like, people, um, like you, you see... You see some houses and stuff, but you really just get the effect that, oh my gosh, poor Lois Lane and Jimmy. You're watching well, this scene right yeah, now. I mean, you got some car, but I mean, you don't... Uh, I think the implication is doing this solves a lot of the problems. Where he sort of yeah. digs underneath the uh, earth and, you know, fixes the fault line, basically. And then he's got a couple you of... You cannot get that close to the sign. I yeah, I know that. Not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. Um, I, was, I was there not too long ago. But, uh... <laughs> I always used to get curious about... I like the slow effect. motion. Just that. <laughs> that is a lot of foil he's swimming through. No, the goats! But, but you're the right, Brandon, in the sense that they... Even with as much money they were spending, they couldn't really show the whole world or the whole area engulfed in carnage. Are a lot of these reaction shots in the director's cut? Because uh, when I last watched it, I watched the theatrical cut, and I don't remember this much. Uh, this scene was always around. I mean, the school bus scene was... That was when I was remembered as a kid. Yeah, the school bus. I know the school bus. I feel like there's a lot more reaction shot in this than I when know, I watched it a couple I feel like the... Ago. I mean, I don't... I don't. I, I honestly I just don't know the theatrical cut that well. I, I rarely watch it, but... I'd say, I mean, it looks pretty disastrous of what's going on in terms of this being a PG movie about Superman where you have to balance a lot of balls or a lot of keep, yeah. a, lot of, keep a lot of plates spinning. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. it's doing a good job of showing that there's some really bad things have gone on as a result of a, a you know a bomb going off of the San Andreas Fault. Um, as I said, I think the implication is that he fixes most of the long-term damage when he digs underneath Quickly. and repairs the fault, yeah. and then he's got just you know some other fires he's got to put out. Yeah, and the only thing he fails to do, of course, is save Lois, and probably Jimmy. Probably, yes, probably Jimmy. <laughs> um. Holy mackerel! And it's 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 nice watching this film. That he, yeah, obviously this is the emergency at hand, but he actually takes time to rescue people. You know, I think yeah. there, and this is somewhat of a generalization, but there's a, you know, there's a sort of a trend in comic book films to focus more on getting the bad guy versus saving the good guys. Yeah, that's and I right. remember and the big the, bad guy at that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The big bad guy, uh, too. I remember in the Avengers, the one scene that sort of stood out is them taking two seconds to get people off a bus. There's that. Okay, I mean, well, there's there's a lot of yeah. that. I mean, because Captain America yeah. has that whole scene where he saves like a the all of what the train station full of people or whatever, and yeah. Before yeah, the, before a bomb goes like there's a lot of yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> and there's actually more of that that was you know deleted scenes exactly yeah that's what I was getting to yes um, yeah 
Um, and that's one of the reasons I like the Avengers. It does. It reminds you, you know, these are superheroes. And that's, of course, why I love the scene in Iron Man 3 with the plane. It's like, hey, look, he's actually rescuing people. Um, yeah, I, I, I think back to the Nolan Batmans, and is there really a lot of that? No. The first night out, he catches the, you know, he catches Falcone, and then, you know, he basically spends the rest of the time trying to connect him to Scarecrow. And the only, the only time he shows up was uh, the little kid, but that's because with, he's with Katie Holmes. You can argue that yeah. those movies are so much more plot-driven, and it just doesn't give yes. him time to have a day. And it, does, yeah. it honestly doesn't give Batman a, a, a time to be that guy, besides, like, what, the opening scenes of Dark Knight, where you just get the idea yeah. that Batman's been Batmaning it up for, like, six months or whatever. Like, yeah. you don't... Yeah. You, the, move, the, the character doesn't have that time to really establish the fact that he has been doing that good. Like it, yeah. Um, well, I, I was just going for no, no, I know, what you're, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, it's, and to, frankly, it's to a even... design of the movie, and like these movies, <laughs> like movies like this or like the Avengers, like it, that's or even like the um, Spider-Man, Spider-Man Two, Bram, like it, it has, it gives you those, it gives you those those spaces to breathe with that character after he's become that character, and it works with the tone of that film. Um, and even Burton's Batman, other than the opening mugging that he stops, Batman, we only see Batman when he's taking care of the Joker, basically. Yeah, and those movies, those are so much more villain-focused than, yes. than focused on the actual character that it doesn't really, yeah. you don't get a chance at all to realize yeah. that Batman's, you know, Batmaning it up over, like... Yeah, you know, stopping muggers and what have you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe you don't need that. Maybe that's, you know, the first scene in Batman implies that's what he does. That's what he's doing. And that's, you know, in the opening scene of Batman Returns... Obviously, you've established that he's, you know, chumming with Gordon, and he shows up when needed, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I love how Lois cannot get out of trouble. Like, she's, no, she she's evaded trouble, like, three times. Like, nope, still getting it. <laughs> still that's that's kind of the character. Her death omen. Yeah. <laughs> um, now I'm trying to think of just a superhero movie that really just has, like, a superhero being generally super and not, like, super against an arch villain in some way. Not Ghost Rider. <laughs> what is that? Uh, maybe maybe Judge Dredd. Like, cause there's no real arch villain there. It's the or just Dredd, not Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd's the epic version. I guess Dredd's just yes. a day in the life. Yes. So yeah, that's what I'm asking. Like, what? Where, yeah. Where's that? Where's that? The first Punisher. Yeah. There you go. And, yeah. he is, and I think part of that is there's so many comic book films that make the primary antagonist directly connected to the hero. Exactly. So I mean, so, Punisher it, Warzone would be a good example of that. Yeah. Too, kind of. Yeah. Well, he makes everything much, much worse. Yeah. But <laughs> that's one of the reasons I really don't like that movie. I hey, love that just, movie. If you had just stayed in bed, all the bad guys would have been caught on, you know, dealing nukes. They would all be in jail forever. That was the focus of the story is what if the Punisher should have stuck his nose, shouldn't have stuck his nose in something. But in the end, it sort of absolves him of any responsibility for that, which annoys me. But whatever. Uh, meanwhile, Superman is... Spending hundreds of millions of dollars putting out this, uh, wow. Even 40 years, 35 years later, that's impressive. It is. Yeah. It looks good. Um, it's, it's some solid again, model it's work. Just, the kind of scale is just, <laughs> it still holds up. It really does. Um, but yeah, Lois is getting crushed. This is terrifying. <laughs> it is. That yeah, is terrifying. That wouldn't, that's, you don't want a bad death. I don't want to be involved in that at all. <laughs> um, like, I don't know. I mean, up, she has like straight up dirt in her mouth, and yeah, yeah. It, it looks nasty. It looks like she got buried alive, like um, that movie I can't think of. 
Buried. Buried. There you go. I have to wonder, you know, if you're a, I guess it's different if you're a kid or an adult, you know, you're seeing this in theaters in 1978. Do you think they just killed off Lois Lane? Well, I think it comes. I think in the 70s, they might have. Yeah, 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 because you get because you've seen those other Irwin Allen DeVazer movies, and you. But yeah. also, for what we get to, for Richard Donner's main point about Superman ter- going back in time, it's like if you're into this movie enough, you should be. You should believe that Lois has you know yeah. died, and you and oh. like I think this movie earns that a lot better than not to hark on Star Trek again, but I mean, so, someone dying in that movie, and you know how long even. Comparatively, that movie doesn't stick with it very long, and it doesn't really matter to you, or at least to me anyway. But and I know some of you on this podcast. But in this movie, I think Lois Lane, no, no matter the, no matter the reason that she you know comes back to life in the next ten minutes, I do think like it earns the idea of her dying and you feeling bad for that, and then it earns you being able to say, yeah, okay, Superman can do that. Like that's well, good. Then, for example, well, and, and I may other people may disagree. I never thought for one second Jim Gordon was actually dead in the Dark Knight. Oh, no. And for me, it was like, you know, I'm still sitting there looking at my watch waiting for him to show up because, like, I know he's not dead. Part of that is because, you know, there's scenes in the previews that we hadn't seen yet, unfortunately. I I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far. For me. Like, I don't I, – I was – part of it's because I have such a strong attachment to the Jim Gordon character. Yeah. That I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you went there. And that that's really depressing right now. And, like, maybe in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, Gary Oldman has to come back at some point. But at the same time, like <laughs> – God, he must be dead. Like it's really upsetting. Um, a, a lot of this sells too on Christopher Reeves' performance here and the reaction to her. Yeah, like they, uh, you're like, oh my gosh, she really is dead. What? How, like, yeah. What are they gonna do? That's the, a corpse. He gets the angry eyes. Like I, when I showed my, my wife had never seen this, uh, and a couple of years ago I showed it to her, and she was like, no, shut up. Well, and <laughs> she was just baffled that. Lois look was look dead. at him though. Look at that emotion on Reeves' face. It's yeah, just, oh. I mean, from the the sadness and the anger, like it's just it's great. Don't kiss a corpse. <laughs> what is this? The world is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow's the tomorrow never dies. <laughs> Let's just name other Brosnan movies where he kisses the dead girl. <laughs> <laughs> There's that deleted scene from Goldeneye where he goes out to the split tree and plants one on Xenia on the top. <laughs> he says, stick around. I'm scanning through my superhero movies, which I've seen quite a number of, and I can't, I really can't see one where it's just. A superhero being a superhero for the duration of the movie without having any arch villain ties, but yeah, I yeah. guess that does go to your point though. If the, they try to connect it so closely to the character, so you don't really have a chance to just watch a movie of them I mean, a, even, a day in the even life. Something like Super is even. I, I was looking at Super, yeah, but it's like no, like Kevin Bacon nope. directly applies to yep. how Super. How it, how he became Super. Also, he doesn't really rescue anyone in that film. No, that, no, he just horrifically harms them. <laughs> what about what about Kickass? I mean, I was thinking Kickass really too, directly. But... I mean, it later becomes a part, but he's not. But after he re- you know rescues the one guy in the fight, he never does another superheroic deed again. True. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that... the, the plot's guided by by Mark Strong trying to find Kickass at that point. Now. 
there's a lot of confusion over this, and I'm, I'm wondering, we have five or six people in the room. Is he turning back time, or is he merely traveling through time? He is traveling through time, and they're showing the Earth, so it, it's a film thing. Like, in order yeah. for us to understand what he's doing, you're showing the Earth rewind, not so, the Because when I was a kid, I always figured, okay, he's turning back the Earth, but doesn't that mean that all the people he just saved are going to die because he's busy flirting with Lois? Well, I think it it is very confusing because you're literally yes. watching everything reverse yeah. itself. So, I yeah. mean, it's a very understandable confusion. Uh, but, no, if he's merely traveling through time, that means that everything he's done is, is still going to happen. There's really two Supermans running around. Correct. Wow, that's a conundrum. It is. Your eyes, <laughs> your eyes will go a bit cross-eyed if you don't have a chalkboard in the dock in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, right here, okay, here's the thing. Right here where he went forward, you could argue he's doing all those things again. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And then coming to say, and getting to the point where he can get to Lois just a little bit earlier. But I won't argue that, you know, in an initial couple of times I'm watching this, I'm like, God, Superman, okay, you saved Lois, great, but you got some people to save. Like, that's the thought going yes. to mind right now. Dude, what about the dam, the school bus, the train? And... Like, okay, we got Lois out of there. Let's, let's, get, the, let's get to the other stuff. But yes, there's... Superman has just traveled through time. Well, yeah, and the fault doesn't even bust her car down. Because he got there earlier, I guess. I don't know what's going on. Well, maybe actually. he got there way before, and he's saving Lois now, and then he's just going to fix everything later? It's a little... I think that's the one. I mean, this isn't Primer, so we're not getting the most accurate time travel. <laughs> this isn't even Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted also being a much yeah. time travel movie than people give it credit for. But You, uh, know, what? you know what else would have worked? What? CPR and not even in, in having that work to revive <laughs> Oh, his lungs are too powerful. He just blows it out of her ass. <laughs> oh, Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> Jimmy Olsen could do it, and then she falls in love with Jimmy for saving her life. And I was just behind this rock. For Superman 2. I have to go take care of the villain completely off screen. Why didn't Colin Which... Hanks play Jimmy Olsen in Superman Returns, by the way? <laughs> we need uh, that Sam Huntington. Because they were building up for the Sam Huntington and Brandon Ralph reunion in Dylan Dog, Edge of Night. Oh, wow. you mean box office smash Dylan Dog? <laughs> I, I almost walked out of that. And you that's... know what? You know what? I think you know Men in Black could qualify as a day in the life kind of movie. Yeah, you're right. Um... Because they do, I mean, yeah, there's a villain. That there are there happen. are eventful things that happen to Jay and Kay in said movies, but I mean, it does. That's something I and even like, um, not the best example, like, like Ghostbusters two almost. I mean, it at least that was like the idea for the first Ghostbusters two, where there's just they are already Ghostbusters and just kind of yeah, it was just kind of them like slumming it as these guys. But I mean, yeah, but and Men in Black. What I like about those movies is the kind of or at least Tommy Lee Jones's. Handling on that is that he's so blasé about, yeah, there's another alien thing, whatever, let me shoot it and, you know, stop the world from being destroyed, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't, he doesn't, he doesn't give a crap about what's happening because he knows he can do it. That's his job. And there's actually a scene on the DVD showing him going after Luthor. Um, It's a very small scene. It's kind of goofy. He's basically feeding Miss Tessmacher to his pets. Yeah. Um... And Superman comes in, rescues her, and, you know, fade to black, and now this scene. 
Why Mr. Sam Testmacher why is... who comes and breaks him out of jail in the sequel? I didn't know. Yes. Um, I didn't know Sam Waterston's dad plays the prison warden. <laughs> <laughs> I also didn't know that Lex Luthor didn't have to go through due process of the courts. No, you just turn him in. It's a, It's like an audience. Yeah, just... Well, you know what? If it's like an Archie comic. If Superman doesn't show up on the witness stand, he can get off for everything. Yep, that's how it works. That's how Kevin Spacey. No works. matter if you're on national TV with. With three Kryptonian supervillains. Galactic supervillains. Does he wink at us? Yes, he yes. does. Of course he does. Why not? <laughs> um, it's like the end of the Dexter opening credits. Well, no, he's barely making a citizen's arrest. <laughs> right, it's just like that. Citizen's arrest. He says he's going to make it a fair trial. Um, Question. If, if someone kidnapped Superman and said, we will let Superman go if Clark Kent comes to claim him, would the universe just explode? Well... Alfred would just dress up as Clark Kent. Yes. And <laughs> he'd, he'd go to Clark Kent's Facebook page, as, as, as Alfred does. That's how he finds out things about people. And he, he'd just learn all the – he'd just get everything down, all the mannerisms. Uh, Even these credits are awesome. Yeah. Look how cool the font is. If, if he's busy, then Dick Grayson yeah. would do it like he always does. Um, Dick Grayson. I'd go to I'd go to like an IMAX read just to watch this credits. Yeah, this, don't they <laughs> we reuse, did. They reuse this we style? We did, for yeah. yeah too, I did right? see Superman Returns at IMAX. Yes, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was great for that. Best for thing about that, it that credit sequence yeah. and, the, and the scene where it told you to put on 3D glasses and then told you to take yeah. it off. That was awesome. <laughs> Remember that? Remember early the early oh, introduction yeah. of 3D into the, yeah, the Harry Potter too. Yeah. yeah. Put on your 3D glasses. Like Warner Brothers really wanted to do that 3D going. Well, you know, before it was cool. Good on yeah, them. They really did. It's Journey's Water Brothers too, right? Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yeah. Well, and you know, Polar Express. That was the one that sort of, you know, God, God, I remember seeing that in IMAX opening weekend. I, I did not expect it to be that good. I was. It's still one of the great movie going experiences in my recent life, just because it was just the 3D was just jaw dropping. I, I wish I could have been with you on that. Yeah. You didn't like the movie. You didn't see it. I'm not a movie. I'm not a fan of that movie. And I saw it in IMAX in 3D. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine it's terrible in 2D, but I, I haven't seen it since. So. I, I saw. It. I mean, I saw it. Aaron's biggest... afraid of yeah. motion capture. I'm not afraid of motion yeah. capture. I love Beowulf. <laughs> <laughs> Beowulf is awesome. He fights naked. <laughs> he fights naked, guys. He fights naked. Um, no, I, I, yes, I know a lot of people don't like that movie. I do, uh, but Beowulf is awesome. Beowulf is awesome. Um, I do that commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an excuse to watch it again. God of War, the movie. Oh my god. Um. Right, let's see. And we're about wrapping up the uh, Superman movie here. Yeah. Woo. It's a long commentary. It's a long movie. It is. Apparently, disc two on the old DVD set is a director's cut, not disc one. Good to know. <laughs> it's a, it's Sorry, a save about on that? the Blu-ray too. Uh, the producers wanted Joan Crawford for the role of Ma Kent, by the way. Unfortunately, Crawford was too ill to take the part, and Doit died shortly before production began. Oh! That'll lose you a part. It was um, <laughs> wire hanger poisoning. The... What? What? Nothing. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Is that it? Nope, still more. <laughs> okay, still going. <laughs> Uh, when the loop when the like, loop runs out, it fade, the the space loop runs out. It'll fade out. And yeah. <laughs> hey, we could do an entire feature commentary just for the special effects people on the Iron Man three credits. <laughs> yes. Oh wow. <laughs> or like the like the Matrix credits are really long too. Yeah. Those. Um. 
thing goes up for like the next five minutes. Yeah. And this is back credits were short. This seems like the rare movie where both the opening credits and the ending credits are super long. Yeah. Are spectacular, too. There's probably about ten minutes of just credits in this film. Yeah. It, I mean, it doesn't hurt that, yeah, these are like the best damn credits you'll ever see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like that, not like that. Every movie now, you just have like that animated sequence of credits and then you get to the main credits and you're like, well, that's boring. Unless there's a super <laughs> awesome Will Smith song or something going on, but you don't even get that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> these, these credits, however, Can oh my god, the fog is cool. The stars coming at you, like, oh. if it's like maybe if it's a Pixar movie, I'll give it. I'll give it to Pixar. Pixar does good credits. They give good credit. Yeah, yeah they keep you true. in your seat. They keep you in your seat. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Yep. Yeah, Bruce. I guess Very we'll wrap. Good, I, I guess we'll wrap it up. Uh, thanks, listeners, for sticking with us. Whoever has for the uh, full commentary, but that's gonna it's gonna do it for this bonus episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can of course find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find all my movie reviews as well as wisebleed.com for my blue reviews. Abe, you can find more fun stuff at walrusuicide.com and Twitter.com. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> Scott uh, Forbes. Um, find my old stuff, and I'm, I'm trying to slowly update Mendelssohn's Memos with the Forbes stuff. But for now, old stuff on Mendelssohn's Memos, new stuff on Forbes. Brandon. Ah, you can find my stuff on Naptown Nerd, naptownnerd.blackspot.com, and now Blu-ray reviews on whysoblue.com. Jordan and friends. <laughs> you can go to uh, Amsterdam Chaps on Twitter, and uh, soon... Petalmapatch.com next month. Ooh, a new blog coming. Uh-oh. I'm excited for this. Ooh. Oh, my God. Can't wait. I hope it's a lot of your beat poetry. Oh. <laughs> that, that exists, right? Prison yeah, Warden, my, played yeah. by Roy Stevens, uh, wasn't Sam Waterston's. Old, old, uh, old reviews from a year ago. Nice. Oh, those classics. <laughs> So we're, all do- so we're all doing Quest for Peace next, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah? Yes. But yeah, you can find all the other episodes of Out Now Out <laughs> on iTunes, of course, hhwlod.com, outnow.podomatic.com, most of the newest episodes with some exclusives, outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Feel free to write in your thoughts on Superman the movie or other thoughts on the Donner Superman films, the Superman sequels, and whatever else. <laughs> Favorite opening credits, why not? Why not throw that in there? Um, uh, what else? Facebook.com, slash outnowpodcast, twitter.com, slash underscore podcast. Uh, secret word for the commentary, Otisburg. Send that in, you'll get a prize. <laughs> so send in Otisburg now at podcast.gmail.com and you'll get a prize. Um, and that's going if to... If you do a double take, that'd be like double prize, double prize. Yeah, if you if you record a video of yourself reading Otisburg and they'd be like, what did I... Otisburg? What? I didn't say Otisburg. Huh? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 you'll get a prize. Um, but yeah, that's th- thank you all of you for coming off of the super size audio all of you, yeah, for watching the director's cut. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Sorry I was late. No problem. Um, and yeah, as always, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. Farewell. Farewell.